Hello, and welcome back to MetaStation for the second of our very special Shippy Flail Roundtable podcast with our very special guests. Erin is not here this week. She's, uh, she's got family in town, and she did her uh, Ballark Flails podcast last week, which is up on SoundCloud now if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. It's delightful, and they're delightful. And I am here now to talk about Cabbie with some of my favorite Cabbie shippers, um, a couple of whom you know, and a couple of whom will be new to MetaStation listeners, but they're all delightful people, and I'm very excited for you all to meet them. So we're going to introduce ourselves and then share our favorite Cabbie scene that's not in Season 5. I'm Claire. I'm a writer from Portland, Oregon. I'm still in L.A. for two more days. And my favorite Cabbie scene that's not from Season 5 is the I Can't Do This Again scene from Season 3. I'm Brittany Ray. I uh, co-run a podcast network called The Aficionados. Um, I am a TV critic and a bisexual idiot. And uh, I live in Vancouver where they shoot the show and where all of you guys came to come to Unity Days. Yes. Yeah. Um, and my favorite cabbie scene, this could be a weird one, but <laughs> I love their fight in 211. <gasps> that's my favorite scene because it's yeah, like their first like, real married moment. Yes. Samantha, who are you? <laughs> My name is Samantha Coley. I am from Washington, D.C., where I work as a communications specialist. I also review The 100 for Telltale TV, and I can't shut up about it, uh, or Cabbie. My favorite Cabbie scene that's not in Season 5 is probably their hug in 316. Ooh, that's um, a good one. Oh, yeah. Because that's like kind of the first time that other people see their relationship. Hi, I'm Emily. Um, on Twitter, I'm I followed fires, and on Tumblr, I'm she followed fires. A super big change there. Um, favorite cabbie seat is I was gonna say I can't do this again. Just it's iconic and it's mm-hmm. so significant. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I actually do think that it is like when it comes down to it. I just wish it was shot in better light. Like, you know, is like T15 Resurrection. I like Mm -hmm. whole episode, really. There's not really like one scene, but I think it really like sets the stage. Yeah, like that's the first episode where you go, oh, okay, they might be taking this somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That that hand shot is indicative. Yeah, the hands are a lot. (laughs) Um, Hi, I'm Jen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Abby Griffins, spelt A-B-I. Um, I'm 21 years old, so I'm like the baby of the fandom, kind of. Um, and I'm from England, obviously, as you can tell from my accent. Um, and my favourite cabbie scene is actually, it's kind of the whole of 216, especially, and I know this is horrible, but probably um, when they actually take Abby and, you know, and he's so... Um, He's just absolutely distraught by it, and I think that's kind of where I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. Oh, <laughs> such good choices. Yeah. I always forget how much good cabbie there is in season two. But it was like there's so there's much so good much cabbie good in season two. Oh. I think it's because they shared a lot of storylines in season two, whereas like three and four they kind of didn't. Yeah, three and four there was like there was like canon relationship moments, but their storylines were so separate. And like in seasons one and two, it was like. They were like their plots were like linked the whole time, and now in season five, what a good what same. a good transition! Now we have both of those things, which is amazing. <laughs> it's like the ultimate. In terms of like 
insofar as this has a structure, which it doesn't really need to. I was thinking that it might be good just to kind of talk through what we've seen of their story together a little bit, kind of like chronologically. And so maybe kind of go around and just like thoughts and feelings about the sort of transition from like the end of, of season four, where we saw them to where they kind of like land before the time jump and maybe just kind of like have some emotions about like that slice of their story and then move ahead to the six year kind of post bunker, all that kind of stuff separately. Jen, do you want to start? Do you have thoughts and feelings and flails and squeals? So many thoughts and feelings (laughs) and flails. Um, Well, first of all, I really liked where they left off in the chosen actually. And I like that, that we didn't get to see them kind of in the next bit until this season. I really like that. I think they actually gave like a perfect amount of time because I think there was a lot of sort of worry about like how they were going to handle like their relationship before the time jump. And I, I really, really love the way the writers handled like the the friction that was there, but you could tell that they still loved each other like and they cared about each other. But, you know, there was just this one thing that they they couldn't agree on. I think that was perfect. And their first scene together, you know, I think is is fantastic, obviously. Um, <laughs> every time they're on screen together, they're just absolutely electric. Absolutely electric. I don't know. There's just a lot to unpack, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so I kind of feel like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just want to, like, discuss, like, talk about it. Like, what did we think? Did you, Is that where you thought they were going to start off from in season five? Like, did you think she was going to be mad for, like, a month? I was actually really grateful that they didn't keep her mad the whole time. Like, I I think I was a little apprehensive from some of the stuff that, um, like, you know, things that we picked up from, like, things that Paige said at the con, things like that. I was, I was sort of gearing up for a storyline where them being estranged because of her level of anger at him removing her agency, that that was going to be, like, part of the long-term storyline and I was really stressed Um, about about that about like building in a plot that kept them kind of emotionally divided and estranged in that way and so Mm -hmm. I was actually I was thrilled at how it was handled because like they gave it the weight that it needed but it also Mm -hmm. was clearly like it wasn't superseding how much they loved each other like the love was so much stronger exactly yeah and I I so funny because yeah you're right at the con at spacewalkers like ian kind of made it sound like their relationship was going to be like in turmoil or something and then (laughs) it ended up being like no they're like stronger than ever it was so strange i just think you're right like it was just like the perfect kind of amount of time that they gave it the right balance between showing that abby's sort of feelings and and that she was hurt and that was important enough but not leaving it so long that it became a bit i don't know like that it felt unnatural kind of thing. I mean, I think I had the same kind of nervousness about like how they were going to start the season off because they kind of like disappeared for like basically the back half of season four. Mm. And so I was already kind of like a little gun shy about this season just because I'd really missed them having a storyline together. And then this season started and, you know, not only did they both have like actual really, really meaty material to work with, but it was so meaningful because, you know, even though Abby was really, really angry, they also let Kane sort of not stand up for himself, but give his point of view. 
and be like, here's why I did what I did. And even though I'm sorry for hurting your feelings, I'm not sorry for what I did. And that's really all I wanted was both of them really being realistic about this decision that he made for her. Mm -hmm. I really like how succinctly they told the story of like the transition that their relationship went through in those like 45 days or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they told all of that and like filled in everything we needed to know about how their relationship evolves over the time jump within essentially like a few hours of like actual canon time. Yeah. So like we see them for one day because I was thinking like they would, they would do it similar to how they did Eden and show like several days like throughout with like they did with Clark. So I was like wondering if we were going to see her wake up and be angry or if like, I wasn't sure how they were going to jump into that, but I really liked that they got it all done in like the space of a single event. And like, I really enjoyed how her first words to him in a month are, I can do it. Um, Ooh, that's an Abby Grayson thing. Yeah. Right? And it's I like the last time she spoke to him, he took away her choice. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like her reclaiming that agency and then like willingly giving it back. And then willingly yeah. giving it back to him like moments later. I think you were on the aficionados, right? When you guys recap that episode and and you said that. And I had not I had not flagged that and I loved like that was such a good catch and that was such a smart kind of structural writing choice for them. And and then so like from that moment on, I was kind of watching for like moments where they kind of trade that back and forth. In going into 502, I was really worried about the amount of time that they would give Abby to be angry. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> like looking back, I, I should like, it's kind of ridiculous what they managed to accomplish in one episode with such a short amount of time and like what, 45 days after, but the balance and I, that's actually been like a huge, huge thing that they've really like nailed in every single scene so far uh, this season. They found a balance in sympathy between Abby's anger and what other various issues and Kane's sort of hurt at, however um, her decisions have affected him and how his decisions have affected him. And yeah, it's just really, really quite a, quite a miracle that they've accomplished. Yeah. And striking that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think in, in the bunker storyline in, in, in particular, I think, you know, out of all of them feels to me like the one where they've, they've sort of, um, they've done a really, I think kind of extraordinary job of balancing like, you know, there, there are things that happened in the bunker of those six years that are still kind of intentionally mysterious to us. And then there are things where it's really, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I say mystery when we in like heavy air quotes, like when we know, like it's probably going to be cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's a snack. <laughs> it's a snack. <laughs> but like, but there's other stuff like in terms of the relationships and things like that, where it's really, really, really important that we, have a super clear sense of, you know, when we, when we pick back up after those six years have passed of who these people are to each other and how this time in the bunker has changed them. And I feel like, I mean, I think that they've, they've done a really, 
a really kind of extraordinarily deft job in all three of the different worlds of kind of shorthanding, you know, those changing relationships and that growth mm-hmm. and things like that. But the bunker in particular, because there's so many different facets to that story. So I've been really pleased both at how kind of overall, how richly developed that world has been and how you kind of like, even, even though so many of the changes like in Octavia in particular, you know, are super shocking, but I'm kind of continually delighted at how significant of a role Kane and Abby as individuals and their relationship has been playing mm-hmm. in that part of the story. And I think that's the piece that felt like a real gift, you know, like I mm-hmm. we're, we're used mm-hmm. to being like Abby being plot relevant in a medical storyline or Kane being plot relevant in a political storyline of which their mm-hmm. connection to each other is sometimes like, like a button, but like, like in the rebel storyline with Pike in season three, like Abby's love for Kane gave us some really beautiful moments inside a storyline that was about Kane and Pike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, or like them on the walkie talkie in season four, you know, gave us some really beautiful moments of their relationship in a story that was about the apocalypse. Yeah. Kane in the black rain over here at Arcadia and Abby over here with Jackson and the science squad on Becca's Island. We would sort of like touch back into it occasionally, but their relationship wasn't the arc. And I, one of the things I think is really amazing about what it looks like they're building in in season five. And maybe now we can kind of jump ahead and talk about like in 502 and 504, the kind of post time jump picture of their relationship that we get. What I think is really amazing about it is that they're, they seem already just kind of a couple episodes in to be juggling a plot where like, there's a story for Kane that's about, you know, Kane and politics and, you know, Dioza and Octavia and him getting to sort of like, use that set of his skills. There's this really interesting kind of medical mystery storyline that Abby's being folded into. There's both of them as hostages who could, you know, things could go wrong in a moment's notice with the sort of religious people. And also there's their relationship and Abby's addiction and how all these things are kind of woven in together. But it's really amazing to me just to feel like the relationship between the two of them is the plot, like is part of the plot in a way that I feel like we've certainly never seen since they've become like in a canon relationship. Yeah. It's a very new thing that we're getting to experience. And I'm really happy with, with how all of it sort of has been playing out. So bunker cabbie, let's, let's talk about that <laughs> heartbreaking, crushing, <laughs> devastating sort of sequence Ugh. of events. <laughs> oh, I'm going to jump on the fangirl sword here and just talk about how thrilled I am that their relationship was the, B plot of that episode, like yeah, for five hundred two. The the main story is obviously Octavia is like rise to power, but like their entire plot that episode was like fixing their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, all of our favorite fanfic tropes. Oh my god, <laughs> it was great. Let's talk about the handcuff scene. <laughs> let's go there, man. Let's do it. I love that when you say let's talk about the handcuff scene, I can go which one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we are so blessed. I think one thing that, that is really neat about, you know, like, like, Kara Cooper and, and Charmaine Gioza are both, like, really, really fascinating and important and complex characters in their own right. But also, like, a function, yeah, and I love them both, but a function that they serve that I think is really interesting is they both have done this kind of, like, lock cabbie in a room together to hash <laughs> stuff out thing 
which I think is like, like, well, thank you for that. Like, somebody needed to do it. Wasn't going to be Octavia. Like, they're so relatable. Like, I, too, would do that if I were them. It's like, can I can I send them, like, a nice edible arrangement? Right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like, Kara Cooper, it's like, she's so obviously, like, you are trouble now. Like, I don't trust you. But also, I'm like, but thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you also did us a solid, so you're kind of a bro. I don't know how to feel. She's the devil you know. Like, she didn't have to lock them together. Yeah. She she should have chained them. That's stupid. She should have chained them in separate rooms, but no. (laughs) But no. But, like, this is is a theme, though, is, like, every villain, like, Pike let Abby say goodbye in the middle of season three. And, like, they obviously, like, every villain knows. (laughs) Allie had her, like, jump him on a couch. Like, exactly. Everyone knows. Cage put Abby on the table in Mount Weather and like made Kane lose his shit. That's true. You're right. Like there's always like, there's always cabbie danger related to the, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I think every, from the time that they land on earth, every like villain antagonist has had some moment of like, well, these two are in love. So I should fuck some (laughs) shit up just to mess with them. (laughs) They don't do the cliche superhero thing where they're like, we can't be in a relationship because you are my vulnerability. They're like, (laughs) <laughs> no, take this are just bad people and uh, we should still date each other. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, because it's almost like Cabby is the villain's vulnerability because they always underestimate them. Yeah. And they always are like, oh, you know what? They're they're in love. We just need this to happen. Um, whether or not we're destroying the rest of the world, we just need these two together. <laughs> like, it's like it's like it's so understand. strange. It's like I understand questioning their relationship will ultimately foil my plot for world domination, <laughs> um, but I ship it too much to yeah. stop myself. But they're but just they're so out. pretty. It's <laughs> 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 too relatable. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I love about them being like, like literally handcuffed together in that in that beautifully lit hydroponic farm. I love that farm so much. I do too. So it, was, it was so beautiful. That was such a good job by like the set team. That was so, so beautiful. That set. It's so pretty. Yeah. So, so much green. green. Like find I the most so romantic happy. place on the bunker. Lock a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thank you so much for that set. <laughs> and it probably smells nice. Like there's things growing. There's like tangerines behind them. Yeah. And it's like all peaceful and quiet. And then the flamenco music. Oh my oh God. God. The music. <laughs> I can't believe like, let's just have the most romantic scene we've ever had on this show and then add soft guitar music over top of it <laughs> and lines that sound like wedding vows. Like, yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. extra kind enough. Of romance novel. Jason Rothenberg's going to listen to this and be like, are they upset or are they happy? We're very, very happy. Let me make it very clear. We're so he knows we're happy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I do. I mean, I think the thing that's the thing I liked about that, uh, you know, about that terms in terms of how it set up what happened next is it's like they're both like stubborn motherfuckers. This we know mm-hmm. <laughs> what the pre time jump, like the, the sort of the 45 day piece of it sets up for us is how like there isn't a right and a wrong. Like we understand where both of them are coming from, which is the most important thing. That is like the most the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important that Abby be allowed to be emotionally complicated and not be sort of obligated to fit into the kind of like, 
likability trap of female characters and also that Kane is not like a sad little kicked puppy. You know, Kane is like an adult human man mm-hmm. and yep. can handle, you know, somebody saying like, I'm angry at you and he can be like, okay, I get it. I'm not sorry. You know, but what I liked about the, yeah. about the handcuff scene, I think Leilani was saying this in her recap of 502 that I thought was just so, that I thought about a lot and kind of have continued to think about, you know, as we get more of their story is the idea that like, there's the reason they did the thing. And then there's the reason that they're telling themselves is why they did the thing. Mm-hmm. So Kane is saying, and in that moment he believes it and it's not, not true. Like, look, you're a doctor. My reasons were practical. Like we, you know, we need you. There's too many people here for just Jackson to take care of it himself. There are some medical procedures that require two doctors. I am a chancellor. I did the smart chancellor thing. And that's not not true. It isn't that he has never considered those factors. It's that at the end of the day, he couldn't let her die because he loves her. Yep. And for Abby, she's telling herself a story about like, like, I didn't want to know that somebody else was dying because of me, you know, but in reality, it's like, you know, it's that she feels like she doesn't deserve to be saved or deserve to be happy or deserve to live the way those, those, I think three little kind of snippets of that handcuff scene that we kind of come back to and come back to come back to like, it's like the slow kind of stripping away of those false narratives of themselves until Mm -hmm. it's all that's left is like, I did this because I love you. And when you did the exact same thing, didn't you do it because you also love me? Yes, I did. Okay. So that's where we are, you know? And I think getting to that point before we then flash forward to when we see them again, like, I think just, it was really important to kind of recenter, like there's all kinds of other shit happening, but the most important piece of it is that I love you and everything else is secondary Mm -hmm. to that. Well, and can I just comment on like the camera work with regards to that? Um, Because the, like the set design was gorgeous. It was a huge space that they had to deal with. And uh, like when they're first locked up in there, you feel that space, you feel how huge that warehouse is. And as each scene progresses, it goes closer and closer and closer until you finally get to the scene where Kane asks if she would ever regret saving him. And the focus is like millimeters, like on his eyes and hers, her eyes. And that's Mm -hmm. it. So yes. like that's that's the message that they're getting across is like their souls is where they're at. The way that they like get closer and closer in that in that scene alone is also mm-hmm. so good because mm-hmm. she doesn't say anything. intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. Even the voice is lower. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, the whispering. Oh my god. They do so much whisper acting. Subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> and like she doesn't say anything except. She says like three lines in that whole, yeah, like three words in that whole scene. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. Paige says so much with her face at, w- after oh he God. asks that question. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like she's trying not to like cave in and like she just like, softens. Yeah. Like she just completely softens as soon as he asks that question. Like yeah. everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like her face. The fact that he thought even for a second that she would regret it, like changes everything and she's like wait 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 no i love you so much please don't ever mm-hmm. think that uh it's so good i could honestly write like entire essays about that <laughs> half second shot right? like there's so, so much in that that she's saying like she's saying like i kind of like hate myself a little bit for like keeping myself from you and 
like she's just in so much turmoil and she's she's surrendering but you mm-hmm. see that surrender happen and i love that like, the writers trusted Paige to do that instead of like doing yeah. the dialogue yeah mm-hmm. yeah one of the consistent things that everybody was saying kind of going into this into the season before we even really knew what the storyline was going to be was that like Paige's performance this season will like blow yeah. everyone else out of the water, you know? And we didn't really know, we didn't know what the addiction storyline was going to be kind of until we, we got there. Like we knew there was like a sort of big mystery thing, but we didn't know mm-hmm. kind of what it was leading to. But like the caliber of her acting was sort of the one thing that everyone's like, watch for this. Like this is going to be like a sort of a standout mm-hmm. moment. And it really like, and it begins right away. Mm-hmm. She just mm-hmm. like takes off like a freight train. But that scene, I, I think you're right. I think there's something really significant in that like five seasons in, they're trusting how well we know this character, how well Paige knows this character, how well Paige and Ian know this relationship, that they don't have to spell a lot of stuff out for us and make it really explicit, that they can kind of, they can let it exist in this kind of like very, like a handful of words here, a handful of words there kind of exchange and trust that, you know, that these actors will do all the work with their faces, you know, like that little, the little kind of mm-hmm. flicker of, of Ian's mouth after he asks, like, did you regret it? You can see that he's not completely sure. He's pretty sure, but he's not certain what the answer is. And then mm-hmm. she sees that. And, and that's why her face is like so devastated is that's her realizing for the first time that there's a part of him that doubts that she loves him back. Yeah. That, that is yeah. still kind of questioning his own, like, does he deserve this love? Does he deserve to be happy? You know, as a character who's always kind of like going back over and over and over all of his sort of past sins, you know, and trying to kind of turn the page and not always able to, you know, so I think it was just a moment of like, of her seeing the impact of her choice on him in a way where like, it didn't take away from her emotional journey. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that like, you know, she made a choice and he didn't respect it and, and she's allowed to have those feelings about it. But also I think that's the moment where I feel like she finally, it goes from anger to grief. I think so quickly because it's mm-hmm. like, this is her realizing like, like understanding in her bones, like what it did to him, like how he felt by him saying like, I felt the way you felt when you did it. And then she's like, Oh fuck. Well then you must felt <laughs> terrible because I felt terrible. So God damn it. <laughs> Yes. So do we. Also, like, they almost kissed. And they almost kissed. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. They almost kissed. And I just love that it was her that initiated it. I think that was so important. Yes. Because, like, she had to be the one to bridge that gap because he was giving her the space that she needed. And, like, that was good for their relationship. And I, I just really respect that it was her that... Um, leaned in first. <laughs> um, anyway, let them kiss. <laughs> to me, please God. Episode feels like the opposite of like victim blaming culture. Yeah, like that's what it really feels like to me. Is like instead of being like Marcus being, you know, the sort of typical argument these days, which is you know it was your fault that I did this, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They both presented their point of views in totally fair and rational ways that did no damage to the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. came to an equal consensus 
that allowed them to move their relationship forward in the most healthy way possible. Mm-hmm. And in this show, the most healthy way possible. <laughs> in this show, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just really love that. Like by the end of the episode, they're not using any of those excuses anymore about like why, like him justifying why he saved her and stuff. Like they're not using that anymore. They're like blatantly saying, "I will choose you over my own life and other people's lives." Whenever I'm given that opportunity, mm-hmm. like they both mm-hmm. say that, and then Kane goes and proves it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he didn't have to prove that hard, but he did. <laughs> I think, Brittany, to get back to what you're saying about the sort of the way that it dodges victim blaming, there's so many different ways that they could tell this story badly. But like, there's there's a version of the story that demonizes the person attempting like, to choose to take their own life as being selfish and makes the story about how hard it is for Cain as though Abby's depression and, and grief is a thing that's happening to him. I think that she's doing to him or a circumstance that Mm. he's in where she is in some way bad or selfish or implying that she somehow loves him less because she feels like she needs to make this choice. And there's also, I think a version of the story that would make it entirely about, the journey that Abby's on. And this was, this was one of the issues that Aaron and I had with Jasper last season, where it, say it sounds like Jasper. Yeah. Where it erases the staggeringly tremendous impact on the lives of the people around you. When somebody makes that choice. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm really appreciating both about in terms of how that was handled and that I think we're getting with the addiction storyline is we're getting a level of the kind of both sides nuance that I don't think Jasper got in some ways, like, like that we never, you know, we didn't get this depth of kind of self analysis and, and kind of parsing this about over the long term from Jasper and Monty Mm -hmm. as much as I would have liked. I think that they're being really actually very smart and careful and thoughtful where like, you know, this isn't a situation where there are good guys and bad guys. It's a situation where there's two people who love each other, who are in deep, deep pain. Mm-hmm. And the pain comes from different sources and it isn't the other person's fault. And it's like everyone is just trying to do the best that they can. You know, and I think that's where I think there's this myth sometimes that like, you know, if you're writing a, a canon relationship that like good drama has to come from things like breaking them up and getting them back together, you know, or that or that mm-hmm. you lose interest once the couple is together or somebody has to have an affair or somebody has to die or whatever. Mm. And that and and the idea that like you can tell like a, a deep, rich, dramatic, incredibly compelling story about like two people in love facing problems together as a unit. Yeah. Yes. And that that's exactly as deep and rich and like edge of your seat full of drama as if it was like, you know, Kane having an affair with Gioza or something stupid like that, you know, like, <laughs> come on guys, come on. I, I, I shouldn't even joke about that. Cause I know somebody out there thinks that, but someone's going to take you seriously. Yeah, I know. Oh God. I, I, I went from like, Leaning back, praise hands. She sat at, up forward so much. <laughs> I went from like, praise hands and everything you were saying to like face palm. Like, uh, hang on. I'm just going to tell the rest of this podcast in emoji. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. This isn't a visual experience. I know, but like my physical reactions are important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are, yeah, Sam. Y'all, when we get to- <laughs> to 505 in this discussion 
Brittany will tell you, I flopped all over the couch during that she entire episode. Oh my god, I believe it. I stood on the couch at one point. <laughs> anyway, back to relevant things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing that I want to say real quick before I move on is I liked having them together with Jaha at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one last little kind of like the original like OG <gasps> yes. adults oh, trilogy together, I thought was really, was really moving. It was so special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kane saying the words for Jaha, like his mom taught him. There was also a good callback with Abby and Jaha, where he was like, you can't fix me this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. I really, love that so, so much. I love yeah. that. And but like, it was also, it was also a really nice, like, it's interesting. And I mean, I know he's dying, but it's really interesting <laughs> to think of like him and Abby, like the last time they were interacting with each other, like, it wasn't going so great, you know? So, like, it, oh, yeah. their relationship. And then she's, like, she's still, like, really, 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 really upset that he's dying. And I just thought that was a nice, you know, that no matter kind of what had kind of happened between them, like, it was just nice to see that kind of end where they still ultimately cared about each other's lives. Because there's so much history there, you know? And, and yeah. if you think about, like, for the adults... Like, what a small slice of their lives, proportionately, you know, this time they've been on the ground has been, you know, for the previous Mm -hmm. 40-something year. Like, she, Abby and Jaha in particular, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that, you know, the the two of them grew up together. Mm -hmm. When Sachin was on the podcast last, we sort of talked to him a little bit about, like, you know, cabbie headcanons. And and the idea that, like, (laughs) Kane maybe came from, like, a lower class station, but Abby and Jaha were kind of from, like, the more... Yeah. Like upper class elite. And, and, and Sachin said that that was basically like, that was kind of how, how they were all playing it too. You know, like the, those two have probably like been kids together, you know, and known each other their whole lives. And then like he and Kane had such a deep friendship when they were like working together. So I like that it kind of like one last time. Oh, Hamilton feels for a second. <laughs> I was trying to say, if you play that song, <laughs> but like one kind of final moment of like the three of them together and like all that shared history where it's kind of like, you know, like the, the city of light and him trying to take over the chancellorship from Abby and, you know, and all of his like history between him and Kane, like all that kind of stuff sort of went away for a second. And it was like a reminder that these three people, like the kind of, you know, last of their cohort from the arc had like decades and decades of shared life experience that they don't have with any of these kids. They probably don't have with a lot of the other maybe remaining like survivors of sky crew. So I like just that kind of little reminder of like that, you know, like that history in that way, you know, like Callie's gone, Jake is gone, Pike is gone, now Jaha's gone, like all the people that were sort of in their group, like they're all, it's just the two of them. So yeah, so it was, I thought that was really sweet. I think that was, uh, I think a lot of people were very surprised, like, why am I having feelings about Jaha? (laughs) Because they handled it really beautifully. It was also sort of like, in the beginning, that trio was the trio that basically launched the whole show yes because it was their decisions that led to the hunter going down to the ground in the first place and then here you have one member of that trio leaving and that in turn reboots kane and abby's storyline because now they have to learn how to live without that third member yeah and it's interesting like thinking about like it's impossible to imagine where Jaha would fit into this kind of new world order. Like, thing, mm-hmm. like things being the way they are are only possible sort of in the absence of a Jaha in terms of, of Octavia and Octavia's like the particular way of her 
taking power and everyone just sort of following her implies that nobody is challenging her for power, which Jaha totally would if he was still alive. Oh, he's you know? so weird. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that a little bit in the last episode. Like, where would Jaha be if he was still alive? And thinking, like, I have no idea. Like, there's, there isn't, there's no place in this story that he would fit. No. So it is interesting that it's sort of like now, like now all the weight of like senior adult diplomat man, it's like all on Kane now. <laughs> senior adult diplomat man. <laughs> he carries it so well though. He, he does. <laughs> Goes out like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, hi, I am a senior adult diplomat man. <laughs> That's his talent. When she's like, what other talents do you have? <laughs> Let me tell you. He should have just been like, ask Abby. <laughs> uh, oh, um, I think she would have a different list. Oh, my. <laughs> in the day for such talk. <laughs> Speaking of Geoza, but also framing it back to 502, can we talk about how many people have commented on their relationship this season? <laughs> we can and we should, yes. Like, we've got Kara, we've got Jackson, we've got Jaha. Well, I, thank you. Even Clark, like, because Clark kind of just assumed they'd run away together. She was mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 I'll see yeah. you yeah. Oh, yeah. Indra. Duh. Indra, number one, bro. <gasps> yeah. Like, oh, my God. I love that. She's like the new kind of trio, not in the same way that Jaha was, obviously, but like their relationship, the three of them, is just so interesting. If anything, it's like it is so interesting. Jaha's. Yeah. She's like but, a true bro. Yeah. Jaha, yes. wasn't, <laughs> Jaha wasn't a true bro. The thing is, about Indra in, in 504 is like, like Indra and Abby have never really had a friendship like they both care about Kane and they've had interactions with each other together where it's sort of like we're on the same team here we're like part of a bigger collective storyline but like you know like their first meeting was extremely fraught (laughs) involving knives and such like they've improved their acquaintance since then but they've never like had anything that resembled the friendship that Indra has you know has with Kane so I found it really surprisingly moving watching Indra choose, like, the thing that upends Indra's entire identity as the person who's, like, loyal to the leader. Like, that's her defining trait. That's who she is. That's who she's always been. That the thing that she's willing to break the rules for is, it's not just Kane, it's also Abby. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that. And it kind of is, like, so first when Indra kind of brought him in, I was like, okay, like, this is, like, how I think it would go. But then it's when, um, when she, when Abby tries to confess. Yeah. And then Indra, Indra just goes like, oh no, he was right to have me lock you up. And I was just kind of like, whoa, like this yeah. is a big deal. Like their relationship has changed so much. And I really enjoyed that. And I hope we get to see more of it. My thing that I love about Indra and Abby is like, they both have like this shared, like unspoken thing, which is, hey, both our daughters are kind of blonde rebels. And I really want to see Abby help Indra deal with, like, how far Gaia has strayed from, I, w- I would say Sam. Gaia's but, like, scary. Yeah, Gaia's really scary. I think Gaia's scary in the same way that Clark was scary in season two. Mm-hmm. Where she's just kind of on a power trip and there's nothing to stop her. And, like, the thing that's going to humble her might be really hard to watch. So I personally hope that, you know, Abby can give Indra some insight on, you know, Sometimes you have to let your kid make their own mistakes because otherwise 
they're just going to resent you and treat you like a second-class citizen, which is kind of what happened to Abby in season two with Clark. I feel like maybe they have bonded over that already. Yeah. I really love the look that Kane and Indra share when Indra's like, okay, time's up for like the third time. And Abby's like, no. Yeah. And then they look at each other over her shoulder, like what's going to happen to her without him. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. they both know that it's like not good. Yeah. Can we also talk a little bit about in that scene, all of the like structural parallels to the, I can't do this again scene, like uh-huh. the buzzer and the, like you have five minutes, like Indra sort of in the position of like, you know, like the jailer bringing Kane in and like all the hair, the hair touching and like the way that they're standing, like the way that it's like shot even like it felt like, like so many similarities the last time that, you know, that Abby saw Kane going off to what she thought was going to be his death. Only that time she was like, I'll fight it. I'll fight it. I'll fight it. And he was like, no, like you have to like be strong and survive without me. And this time it's like all the fight has gone out of him. And she's saying like, I'll fight it. I'll fight it. And he's kind of like, we both know there's a possibility that's not true. Like the structure of their conversation has some of the same beats, but like there's so much weariness behind it. It's also like, it's a little bit conversely, a little bit more alive in the sense that the scene in yeah. 502 is kind of, and I think someone even did a gift set of this is the scene in 502 is more or less how 309, like I can't do this again, would have gone if they had actually let themselves do what they wanted to do. Yeah. So like the full embraces and all this stuff, like not letting each other go. And even like that look shared between Kane and Indra, Instead of Kane asking for the guards to come get him because he can't do it, he's literally asking Indra for more time. Yes. And like like you said, in that first one, they're so much more restrained because like their relationship has barely begun and like they're still holding themselves back. Like she doesn't run to him, she doesn't run after him. But like in the new one, she does. She immediately jumps into his arms, like mm. she runs to like bang against the door. It's yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. The physicality is more free. Let's talk about that scene some more, just because it's amazing and it made us all cry. Okay, well, like, can we talk about um, the, she, like, you know, when he kind of makes her promise to do all these things, and then at the end he's like, um, promise you'll stop taking the pills. And can we just talk about, like, the the obvious, like, oh, like, I will, but obviously, you God. know. Yeah. She, yeah, let's she, unpack the, on that. Her face, they both kind of know that it's a lie, and they both don't want the last thing that they say to each other to be a lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's like, what else do you say in that situation? Like, I, I, I found that that was a lot to, to kind of take in, I think. Yeah, like, she couldn't stop him from making the choice that he's decided to make. But the only thing that she can do is, like, let him go to his death with whatever degree of comfort she can give him that he doesn't need to worry about her and it's like they both want so badly for it not to be a lie like they're both like what if maybe like what if it was true yeah and i think i think especially juxtaposed with like the little moment in 505 where he says like i can help you i know what to do which we can come back to when we get to the episode but like that moment kind of connected to this moment seems to maybe imply that this is something that they've tried unsuccessfully before in the past and that she wants to be able to say like okay no this time like you know kane dying for her 
is, is the spur that she needs to be able to really, you know, push through and do this. And, and the self-loathing that she would feel if that wasn't enough, you know, like how, like how she feel about herself. If Kane died to protect her from the consequences of this thing and still the addiction was stronger than that. Like, it's just so heartbreaking because like we know that the addiction and her love for Kane are not like opposing forces. They're like two things that exist inside her. But for her, the person that it's happening to, it must feel like, I love him so much. Why can't I do this? You know, like it must be so that pain is just awful. And there's like no indication that like Kane knows that as well. Yeah. Cause like when you know an addict or you've been an addict, you know that like you really mean these things. Like when you say I'm like, I'm going to quit or I promise you want it to be true when you say it out loud. Mm -hmm. Like you want these things to be like, yes, this is going to be it. And then there's always that little voice in the back of your brain going, no, it's not. Nope. <laughs> like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you fooling? <laughs> and that's like, that's the sabotage within Abby. And that was the thing that I found most interesting about when she says, I will, is you can kind of see her going yeah. by saying, I will. She hasn't given herself a timeline and yeah. she doesn't necessarily have to do it now. And she's probably like counting how many pills she has left yep. like, oh in my her God. head as she says. Mm. And you can see all of that in Paige Tucker's eyes. Like, Yep. Yes, you can see that that voice. You can you can see kind of the the conflict and the that she's having in the, in her face. Yeah, the way that she has to make two promises there really shows the contrast between like how e- how it's not easy for her to make the first promise to not confess, but seeing the anguish on her face when she has to promise that she'll stop taking the pills is like mm. so much stronger than like the first promise yeah because just the promise allows her to continue the addiction yeah. can we talk about how well he knows her that he knew to lock her up <gasps> oh, <laughs> like, yeah because like yeah. she has about as little self-preservation as he does yep and or self-control when the other's life is threatened they're both immediately like, like no yeah. and like take me instead there was some concern going into that episode of like, okay, so we've dealt with Abby's decision to sacrifice herself and sort of the consequences of that. How quickly is Marcus deciding to do this? Something that's super, super important to me in that scene is that moment where he says, I lost myself. Yeah. And she just like immediately gets it. Like she doesn't fight him on the decision after that point. Because that's more or less what she said before she made her decision. Decision is she doesn't know who she is anymore, and she gets that that loss of identity is sort of what would push you to do that, and that it's not about how much he loves her; it's about like his own struggle. Mm-hmm. It's inner demons. I think you're right. I think they did a really lovely job, both with the aftermath of Abby's choice and of his choice there, of like. Not drawing a line that made it look like it diminishes their love for the other person in any way. Like, I think it's a, that's such a, that's such a dangerous kind of trope of depression and mental illness and suicidal ideation and addiction Mm -hmm. and things like that, that it, that it in some way means that you love the people around you less. And I think that in both of these cases, like the love that they have for each other was so like, 
present and so resonant and so like deeply part of that scene. And yet still they're like, this is the thing that I have to do. Like we get the first Abby, I love you. And the first Marcus, I love you as they're going to what they think is their death is particularly Mm -hmm. brutal parallel. (laughs) And the way it's even framed is like, Exactly the same. same. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that parallel. (laughs) And I think the key there is also like, you can love someone desperately and they can love you desperately. And it it can't, it won't even be about that you can't love yourself. It's that you don't believe that you deserve that love. And that's Mm -hmm. the key to making that decision. And it's basically what Marcus said to Abby in 502, which is like, you wouldn't like let yourself have what we have. Yeah. If she doesn't feel like she deserves their relationship and he doesn't feel like he deserves their relationship after everything that's happened in that bunker, it doesn't mean the relationship is devalued. It just means like, I don't understand how you can love me when I feel like I don't deserve for you to love me. Well, and this is the thing is like in the deserving and not deserving and all of this, there's sort of like a unification that is happening. Like when you feel that you don't deserve another person's love, you're still keeping yourself separate from that person. And they haven't like, now that they've kind of both had that relation that yes, okay, maybe I do deserve that love. That love is sort of like, they've understood that they are like their relationship. They are a unit and they yeah. are part of each other. Mm-hmm. And like that sort of like, it'll just be interesting to see how they operate from that new understanding. I think actually one of the things that I think is, was really, really important in 504 was that we, you know, we got to see both of them sort of separately and together, like hit their absolute, like lowest rock bottom moment yeah Mm. and then from that place then we get to see them like rise like like Uh, like physically like literally ashes yes (laughs) exactly yes (laughs) literally and metaphorically so so there is this kind of element of like you know of of starting over in this new phase of the story that they're in now with eligius where like they're not free of problems they're not like they're not free of the things that were that made life difficult in the bunker but it, but it does really feel like a very intentional, like, you know, like, like the lowest possible moment for Abby is like, you know, like the split second between when Indra opens the door before she finds out that Kane is still alive and here's Clark, where she's sitting there where she's just, and she just says like, is it over? Like she just knows. She knew she couldn't stop him. She knew he wouldn't fight. She doesn't think that she's strong enough to like kick the pills. She knows that next time it'll be her in the ring who isn't a trained fighter because she knows that she can't stop stealing, you know? So she's just sitting there like her whole world kind of crumbling. And that's like the lowest low we've ever seen her in. And then for Kane, like going to his death, knowing that he's leaving her behind, knowing that he's leaving her unprotected. There's only so much to injure can do. And then his like desperate last ditch stance to try to remind both Octavia and all of these people like who they are and to like atone in some way for the role that he played in creating this society where everyone feels like it's okay to behave this way. And this relationship that he like built with Octavia culminating in like her literally like drawing her own sword and like about to kill him. And he's not even resisting. Like that's like, 
the lowest low we've ever seen from Marcus Kane. You know, so they're both like the worst place we've ever seen them. And then like, boom, here come their children to like rescue them. <laughs> <laughs> I bet no one has ever been that happy to see Bellamy Blake in their lives. <laughs> like the most extra descends from the ceiling like Indiana Jones. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> da 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 Thank you. <laughs> so, like, I love that kind of juxtaposition of, like, like in, you know, in the same episode, we get to see, like, them just absolutely, completely fall apart. So, like, the lowest low of their whole entire lives. And then, by the end of it, like, when they've gone off with Eligius, like, we've seen, like, Abby reclaiming her agency, Abby fighting for Kane, like a new chapter beginning, Clark is back, so that wound is healed. And I also think, I think it was sort of a little unclear, but like, I think Bellamy too, like I think they were both in on the kind of secret escape plan. Yeah. So like Bellamy, mm-hmm. like intentionally leading Octavia away. So like there's that, like, like those connections coming back a little bit. Oh yeah. And, and a purpose, like a thing a job to do, a thing to give Abby's life some meaning and structure and keeping them together. So I just, I feel like the, the, you know, there's like so much happens in that episode. It's just such an incredible hour of television and with so many of the different storylines. But I, but I love that. Like maybe we can just kind of like spend some time like on that kind of juxtaposition. They were literally the last thing out of Pandora's box. They were the last thing out of Pandora's box. Come okay. <laughs> <laughs> on. That we'll was like, I've never been happier. Exactly. <laughs> Part of me was like, God, wouldn't it be perfect if Kane and Abby, know, right? whose entire relationship has been like, hope this, hope that, hope that, since like the beginning of the show. But part of me was like, would we be that lucky? Do Does anyone love us that much? And they do. Yeah, they do. I love that it's at a point, it's at their lowest moment as well. Yes. So they're, you know, they've kind of lost all hope and yet they are the hope coming out of Pandora's box. And I think that's actually, that's, I love that so much. And like, not to be that bitch, but I'm going to be that bitch. (laughs) Um, But it kind of like, if you want to dumb it down to like the absolute bare bones, it's kind of like they both had their cold feet moment. And now they like hurtle towards like the solid marriage sort of thing. So like we're heading towards like, you know, like, the solidified, you know, either that was their engagement or they're heading towards an engagement sort of thing. And now, you know, you have people saying, well, she's your wife. And we're like, you know, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. I feel like this is pretty (laughs) obvious foreshadowing. I feel like that was foreshadowing. Yeah. So I just feel like it was a very metaphorical commitment to one another after both kind of having the cold feet moment. And now they're like, okay, we're in this together we're gonna do this together you're stuck with me whether you like it or not (laughs) i totally agree and i think one thing that i think is going to be interesting going forward is i think that you know dioza who's extremely smart at kind of leveraging people's weaknesses you know i i think that dioza and mccreary are kind of trying to intentionally play a little divide and conquer with them. And I think we're going to get to see them using all kinds of sort of manipulative tactics to try to kind of play on their weaknesses. You know, like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it makes Dioza's life easier in a lot of different ways to keep feeding Abby those pills because it makes Abby better and more efficient at her job. And it makes Kane desperate and freaked out and easier to kind of, you know, manipulate. And so I think the very closeness and strength of their relationship now means it's really clear that each of them is each other's vulnerability. Yeah. 
And so I do think that Dioza is going to try to find ways to exploit that, find ways to kind of poke at that. But I think where that's headed, to me, it really feels like, again, the relationship between the two of them, not just him as a person and her as a person, but like their relationship and their love is still, again, like part of the plot. Like the story is going to hinge on that connection between the two of them and all like it already has in a lot of ways like Dioza figuring out like oh if I sort of you know I, I kind of read that moment with the the wife scene as her being like you know she's not dumb she may have noticed that there are no wedding rings but making him say out loud she's not my wife kind of puts him in like a vulnerable it's like an admission like it's it's giving her too much kind yeah. of personal information I think there's gonna be like little kind of things like that the fact that we're setting up a storyline where like it's totally plausible that they're together the entire rest of the season feels like more than I could possibly have <laughs> aspired to in my wildest dreams. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like everyone just crossed their fingers real quick for that. Knock on, knock on some wood <laughs> here. I think they're separated in the next episode for like one episode yeah. probably because he goes like yeah. on an away mission. One episode's fine. They can miss each other. It is important. You, like you say, they've been such a unit, and they've been dealing with this addiction storyline together, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, for, for as long as we've seen it. So I think for one episode, not for long, I really don't want them separated for long, yeah. but I think <laughs> for one episode, it's going to be important to see how, first of all, how Abby deals with it by herself, mm-hmm. um, and her sort of... Uh, with McCreary especially, I'm like super worried about that. Um, and also maybe how, how Kane is dealing with it, you know, if, if they're separated. I think that's going to be really interesting. Well, yeah. I don't want it to happen for long. Because it's like, I mean, I know it's ugly to say, but Kane kind of needs a break. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, he does. I mean, for people real. were having a go at him for falling asleep. But I was like, guys, guys come on. <laughs> He's a human being. <laughs> I think the thing that, that is interesting for both of them is like, Seeing how this is something that they deal with with other people, you know, like Abby's addiction in many ways is a thing that is happening to both of them. So they can't yeah. be, they can't really be each other's support in yeah, this. No way. Yeah, no way. because like they're There's, both dealing yeah. with it together just from different angles. And so, so something that I think could potentially be really interesting is if they are split up and other characters kind of come into it. Murphy. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like Raven too, like Raven's still there. Yeah. Raven knows about like hiding from your own pain, you know, and she has the same brain thing that Abby had. Like there's, there's so many kind of commonalities there. One thing that we do know will happen at some point that hasn't happened yet, but maybe very soon, maybe even the next episode or two is we know from that one BTS picture that Paige tweeted that at some point, there is McCreary and Abby and Clark all together in that, like, in Clark's house with, like, the medical equipment and stuff. So Clark's perspective on this and Clark kind of coming into the storyline is something that I also feel like could be really interesting. And I would really love for it to be a moment of connection between her and Kane. Like, I think it'd be amazing if she could mm-hmm. be that person for Kane. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think Clark, and I don't know, but I don't think Clark is going to be that sort of not helpful for Abby but like she's not going to be able to to sort of help her in her recovery process because she's probably going to be so close to it like Kane it's a similar sort of like you know it's her mother 
So I think she's going to find that really difficult emotionally. Agreed. So it's going to be have to have to be someone like Raven or Murphy or someone like that to sort of yeah. give her an outside mm-hmm. perspective. Someone who wasn't in the bunker and doesn't have a whole different like plot line or kid yeah. to take care of. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think I think Clark can't be Abby's person on this, but I think there's a possibility that maybe she could be Kane's person, and that could yeah. be really lovely too. Yeah. I think that'd be so interesting. But yeah, but I do, I think giving them a chance to sort of, for us to kind of see how they function separately, just for like a little bit. And also just to give them like, just sort of plot wise, to make sure that time is being spent kind of equally on like, you know, there's a story that's about the two of them together and this addiction and how they're, they're dealing with that and their relationship. And then there's the storyline where Abby is like Abby, the science genius is trying to solve an unsolvable medical mystery. And then there's a storyline where Kane has kind of turned double agent against Octavia and, you know, and has to kind of like be the spy essentially inside one crew or, you know, or at least sort of be like the sort of the helpful trader <laughs> feeding Dio's information. So I, I like the idea of, of trying to sort of balance a little bit, like giving, giving all three of those slices of it kind of continual weight, because I also think that the storylines that involve just one of them and not the other give important context to the relationship stuff. Because it's basically, well, they like, need to grow together and they need to grow as individuals. Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Well, exactly. Like I, I was actually just going to say is like, it's actually super important to me that this addiction storyline sort of gets away from Kane a little bit yeah. because like, that needs to be a super loud message that it's not about her relationship to him at all. Like even outside of Clark, like outside of anything that it like that her addiction might hinge on a relationship like that can't, that, that would disappoint me if I saw that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually, I'm okay with. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. I'm I'm looking forward to like them spending some time apart. Like, yeah, exactly. If they didn't, it would be a bit weird. If that makes sense. And it lets us get some like pining angst, which I'm always on board for. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, I agree with everything all of you just said, but I'm also sitting here like having war flashbacks to season four. No, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. Hey, was that? We got that burned so bad. They were together for literally only three episodes the entire we've had We've had more oh. time already, like in season yeah. five. Yeah. We had enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I'm like, if they spend the rest of the season apart, I'll be like, okay, but we had five really good episodes. (laughs) I won't be okay, but we've had five really good episodes. But like, it's all to me, like the end of 502 when they come out of the bunker and Abby's like, no, he's coming with me. Like that felt to me like a proclamation from Paige being like, no, we are sticking together for the rest of the season. Wow. You are prying this married storyline out of my cold, dead hands. (laughs) Uh, Emoji update. My face is currently at heart eyes. (laughs) But I keep saying, like, when when I get, like, cabbie kids panicking that, like, oh, my God, is one of them going to die? Oh, my God, is one of them going to sleep with somebody from Elegias? And I'm like, okay, listen, like, (laughs) like, thematically, like, like, looking at the way story is crafted on television and the way like narratives are structured like the pandora's box metaphor 
that's a metaphor that they're leaning into hard. So like Octavia is the first thing out of Pandora's box and Octavia is the monster, like that, like the monster that has to be, that sort of infects the world essentially. And, you know, or not, not Octavia, but like Blood Raina, the sort of new persona of Octavia. So you know, like followed by all of these people who, you know, including even like people like Miller, who we like, but who have been like actively complicit and become part of this system that is like, violent and bloodthirsty and has done horrible, awful things like enclosed in this tiny space. And then the last two people out are Kane and Abby, but and Abby is like the last last. Mm-hmm. I think we can't ignore the significance of that. And I don't think that significance is meant to be interpreted by us as only applying to the episode title Pandora's box. Like I think I think no, that was setting yeah, up no the whole rest of the season because all of the different like like Abby is Eligius's hope for a cure to this illness. Abby and Kane are the hope of potentially brokering some kind of treaty between Eligius and one crew. Kane is the hope for finding some weakness in Octavia that can be exploited to maybe bring people back over to their side so they can save some of them potentially in a vertical war. Like their and and their relationship is like built on this idea of hope being like the strongest force. So I just, I, I feel like either they're very bad at writing story, which I don't think that they are. And we haven't <laughs> seen that this season or like, this is a clear season long symbol that we're meant to kind of keep checking back in with at multiple it's different points. Statement. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the same way, like the same way in season three, you know, like Gina hands Bellamy a copy of the Iliad and immediately we're all like, okay, Trojan horses. Right. Like, like (laughs) things, things hidden inside things. It was like a continual, like season long thing. And I think that Pandora's box is the same thing here, you know, and I think that the hope, I think it isn't a coincidence that the two characters who have hope most frequently, like tied to key moments in their relationship, like the word hope said out loud that it was them, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just feel like, you know, I feel like there's a lot to be optimistic about that. The end game of this season is going to involve you know, the two of them collectively and particularly, I think, Abby coming out of this stronger and that things that they do or accomplish are going to sort of shift the balance for everybody else. That's that's kind of how I feel. Agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think it's significant because there are so many quotes around this myth that the one that Jason chose to tweet like right before right. the episode, yeah, was that specific one where they do yeah. get out of the box and they do fly away and they fly away, like yeah, yeah. like textually implies very quite literally to our faces, like <laughs> like kind of shoves it in our away. face. Here's the <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite kind of metaphor. I love that they weren't even they weren't subtle about it at all. No, nope. literally. <laughs> They're like, here you go, dummies, just in case you think it's about anything else. It's not. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So I, I, to me, that makes me feel like, okay, so so every beat of Kane and Abby's storyline, we're looking at, like, where is where is the hope that it's building towards? And there's a lot of different kinds of hope and a lot of different storylines that it could potentially tie into. And, in, and we're only on episode five, so it's going to get worse before it gets better, obviously, because, like, that's what this show is. But I feel like that was sort of planting for us, like, here's where it's going to land at the end. Yeah. You're going to suffer, but, but you're, you're going to be happy. About it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there 
anything that Harry Potter hasn't taught us, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about how they were going to run away together? Oh, my God. Where were they going to go? Like, (laughs) they were, they are such a unit that even before they knew that they were going to go with, with Allegis, how far would they have gotten? You're right, you're right. But like <laughs> just the fact that they they were gonna go together and like it wasn't a question of whether Abby was gonna go with him or with Clark the whole time it was she was gonna go with him because she's trusted like she's not the same worried mom that she was six years ago. Yeah. She trusts Clark to handle herself and her situations mm-hmm. now. And, like, Kane is her priority because he's, like, enemy of the state. Yeah, um, she's learned to let Clark deal with her own stuff. Yeah. And Clark was helping to save them, too. Like, Clark was not the person that needed protecting. Clark was the one doing the protecting, which that was really a lovely reversal there. Oh, and, I mean, yeah. she's, been on, she's been on this planet for, like, six years by herself with one kid. So, right. I mean, <laughs> I think you can assume, you know, <laughs> she can handle herself now. <laughs> Exactly. Like, You're on my playing ground now. And there's Sand Monster. <laughs> I sort of had assumed, and part of me is like, a little bit bummed that we didn't get it, that she was going to help them, like they were going to hide out in Polis basically until everyone left, and then Clark was going to basically send them to like wherever Maddie and the rest of the space crew was hiding, and they would be like forest outlaws. Just like, just, just give them a little cottage on the very edge. They can have like a sandbox in their backyard. It's fine. And they can like babysit their granddaughter until the war is over and Clark comes home. And then they can go back and live in the church and get married. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. So I've solved it. Like, fun. like that sounds like fun, like to read, but like, yeah, I want to watch them like kick ass. Oh yeah. No, like. That's a good fan fiction. Oh yeah. Like the AU where they run away together. But we're we're very happy with what we're getting up on yeah, actuality. And then you could sell me on like a beach that doesn't exist and I'd be like, Yeah, yeah I'll watch that. Brittany just wants them to go to Disney. <laughs> <I>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I've read that. <laughs> Shut up, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think if they wound up in post apocalyptic Disney World, I'd be down to watch it. That would be so cool. Thank you. I, I would both be into it and not into it because, like, haunted, deserted amusement parks are, like, a nightmare of mine. Horrifying. Since, <laughs> since I read, like, I think I, I read Something Wicked This Way Comes at, like, too vulnerable of an age. And now I'm, like, haunted <laughs> by that. Like, I have nightmares about it. Just saying. Who would operate the ride? Emily, no, it's Octavia. It's the Mickey Mouse, duh. Come on. Raven will fix them all up, and Miller will operate them. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I was just picturing, like, Kane, like, setting Abby in a roller coaster and just being like, have fun, dear. And, like, hitting the switch. <laughs> There's a You can see it That's, in the background. Yeah. Honey, yeah. String. Huh? There you never know. The wind catcher. Oh, I'm not very smart, am I? Yeah. Yeah. 
Wait. Wait. <laughs> wait, what? Well, what I thought was a Ferris wheel is just a wind catcher, and I'm an idiot. You're not an no, idiot. I thought I thought it was a Ferris wheel too. You're not an idiot, or okay, or more me. or more accurately, we are both idiots. <laughs> oh, I got my hopes up that it was actually a Ferris wheel, and then like upon closer look, I'm like, that's just orange string around a round, <laughs> like a giant wooden hula hoop. Oh man, well, Maddie I mean, deserves a Ferris wheel. She does. Maybe the props budget was like really low for that episode, and they were like, "We'll just make it look like a Ferris wheel." <laughs> oh boy, I feel bad. Anthony probably made that thing. I feel like Emily, shall we message Anthony and mention that Claire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shout out to oh, Anthony. What up, Anthony? <laughs> So, Cabby and Eden. So, items on this agenda that must be discussed since we flailed over are, one, all of the domestic touching, and <laughs> two, the Kane and Gioza scene some more, and then three, just to throw this out there, can we discuss how wonderful it was to see the return of, like, season one, I will fucking cut you, Abby, in that McCreary scene? Oh, yes. Yes. I was like, my queen is back. It's like, she is no stranger to being tiny and having a big man try to scare her and be like, excuse you, I am not afraid. And I was like, I've missed this. And that, that was so like hopeful too, where it's like, that is like, like that is our Abby is back. Mm-hmm. She yeah. is in withdrawal mm-hmm. and she is miserable and she's in like physical pain and discomfort, but she is like, I am not She'll afraid of you, you serial killer. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. It's like. I was like, if she's not going to be Kane's wife, she's going to be my wife. Like, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this yeah, is a lie. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that a lot of this season actually is a callback to season one. Like, especially yes. Kane and Abby's bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's certainly softened and stuff. But I, lo- I love that when they disagree, it still feels like season one. And that's part of why I loved the, like, just to sort of jump back to the beginning of, of 502 with the, like, the bickering when they're putting on their spacesuits. It's like, I actually, like, I love it when they fight. Yes. And one of my fears going into the season would be, like, you know, like, what I was, like, what I was saying before about, like, being, being worried they were going to lean too hard on, like, Abby's anger at Kane and Kane kind of, like, taking it, like, as a kicked puppy. You know, one of the things that I liked in 502 that they sort of seeded in there was, like, Kane getting his little, like, sort of bitchy muttered one-liners, you know, and, like, <laughs> and him kind of, like, pushing back at her a little bit. So it felt, it felt like it had that juice that you love in season one and season two, where they're, like, they're, like, equals kind of going at each other, and it has that spark to it, instead of feeling like Kane is sad and mopey and she's being mean and whatever. Like, it wasn't, like, it felt balanced. It felt like it had that kind yeah. of, like, mm-hmm. mojo back. And I, and I love seeing that, like, that's, trait is kind of continuing like for both of them like that she gets to like that she will go head to head with McCreary but also that like you know that Zing is still in her and Kane's relationship too which I like this made me incredibly happy because I actually like low-key have kind of been annoyed by how soft Kane was in the last season yeah, um, I feel like it, it almost felt like it it never because Ian's a fucking genius, but like it never, it almost felt out of character. Like it almost felt like he'd kind of like completely abandoned his history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like to have, like, I'm just so 
pleased to see him like gather back that confidence and that fire and that like just command that he had in the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, like <laughs> the fact that he's fighting against Abby is not like ideal um, <laughs> circumstances, but like even just seeing how it plays out with his interactions with Dioza and like other characters, like he has kind of come back to himself a little bit. I feel how Marcus like. King got his groove back. Hey. <laughs> I would watch that. I, yes, I would. <laughs> but that's so true. Like he, I like that last season kind of gave people chances to have cathartic moments with him. Like Bellamy, especially. Yeah, um, I love that scene. Mm-hmm. But you know, as great as that scene was and as appropriate as it was for Kane to do nothing, when Abby does the same thing, Kane is able to stand up and say, okay, let's have a talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's very much like he's drawing from a well of experience both with her and with his own growth. And so he can have a constructive conversation. But if you're snippy at him, he's going to be snippy back. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I like about sort of the version of Kane that we're getting now that I, that I think sort of began maybe in the black rain scene, but wasn't, I think fully developed is like, there's something that I like in the idea that he's found this like new version of himself that he wants to be the sort of like, you know, cuddly bearded Mm -hmm. dad, peacemaker man. Like Abby believes he's that person. He's like, you know, got a relationship with Bellamy and with Octavia, you know, with Clark, with a lot of the kids. When Pike comes along, it's like he's, you know, he's fighting for what's right, but he's doing it like nonviolently as much as possible. He's doing it like for a good cause. So it's a sort of like, you can kind of say the picture that Kane has in his mind is like, you know, I'm doing these things and becoming this person to kind of like make right the wrongs of my past. And I think where things get tricky is it's like, then that sort of became like, this is who Kane is now. And I think going into season four, mm-hmm. there was also kind of like, okay, so this is who Kane is now. And what I like about the black rain scene and what I thought was actually really important in that moment, a really heartbreaking conversation between him and Bellamy, which is really raw. Like, I mean, it, it feels like a slap in the face because mm-hmm. it was meant to be a slap in the face. But I think what's important about that. And I think what's kind of, being delivered more consistently in like season five Kane is the sort of acknowledgement that like, you know, it has only been like less than a year since he was the guy on the arc that everybody hated Mm -hmm. because of the things that he did. Mm -hmm. We had Crystal from black girl nerds on our podcast recap the episode. And she, one of the things that she was kind of like, what she liked about Kara kind of as a character is like Kara exists to be like the physical embodiments of Cain and Abby's consequences. Like the things that they did for each other, for the greater good, for their people have consequences that they didn't see. Or, or I think maybe in Cain's case, like wanted to believe he had atoned for. And so Mm -hmm. like his whole relationship with Abby is different. His whole sense of himself is different. His, his desire to have a kind of parental role with people like Bellamy and Octavia is different. And yet still sky crew is full of people who are like, you're the guy like 10 months ago who floated my dad in this calling, you know? So I think, I think that for Kane to sort of find like, well, for, for Kane, the character, and then on a broader level, I think for the show to find a version of Kane where like all of his different selves are kind of, 
melded into one, I think is really important. Like I, I understand Mm -hmm. it makes total psychological sense why he would want to be and want to think of himself as like peak, like season three dad came, but he can't, that isn't the totality of who he is, you know? And, and I think they're letting it get messy now, which I really appreciate. I really think that they have like finally found that balance Mm -hmm. in his character and Mm -hmm. in their relationship. Um, because part of that, like, that angsty little spark between them is what, like, drew half of us to their relationship in the first place. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, shout out to Paige and Ian for having insane chemistry that they can, like, still project such love while also arguing and, like, making it look so compelling. Mm -hmm. And then just, like, that, the return of, like, sassy came. Yes. Like, that the line yes. he had about uh, murderers and thieves drinking tea, the tea. and <laughs> I felt like such a flashback to well I'm watching everybody Abby right right <laughs> <laughs> the little like I I highly doubt it was the same kind of thing too I was yeah, like I missed exactly. this guy like this is a smart ass and like this is someone who like also cares about Abby and wants to protect his kids, but he's also, like, knows how to get what he wants, and, like... He's a politician! Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, folding all of those things in together is just really nice. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I I think that's why I feel like, you know, giving, like, like Dr. Abby a science storyline and giving Kane the exile and political prisoner a politics storyline and also you know, the way they're handling their addiction and their love and the sort of implied horrible backstory about whatever it was that happened during the dark year that they don't talk about that they were complicit in. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. <laughs> yes, but or also reading your friends. Well so so when when I when I saw Jason, we were talking about like the the dark year stuff and I said, you know, like everyone was really excited. And what he said was He's like, it's not what you think. And I was like, really? And he was like, he's like, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, it is, it is what people think. And it is also a, like, there's like way more to it than that. So I was like, okay. So like, maybe like cannibalism and something else or something related to the cannibalism or how they end up. So like, it sounded like he was basically like, it is, it is not as simple as like what's kind of what everyone is sort of floating around. Like, oh, okay, the dark year is cannibalism. We have it figured out. And he was like, yeah, but also there's more. So I was like, what the fuck? So what can you add to cannibalism? <laughs> right? Like I what's worse than that? Network, like it's food network chopped, but it's cannibalism. Yes. <laughs> you have to like cook the best dish or Octavia kills you and then eat you. Like you, you open your basket and you have like one sky crew and one tree crew and one ice nation. <laughs> I don't know if, if any of you guys have like have had a chance to listen to our to our recap of five oh five yet, but Aaron's latest horrible theory is what if the reason that Nyla has been kind of like missing um from the story is not that she's dead, but one thing that we do know about Nyla from last season is Nyla is the person who knows how to cure and store meat. And so if she uh, ends oh. up being like 
the human butcher, that certainly is an explanation for why her friendship with Octavia would be like <laughs> a little bit on the rocks and she would be like not in the inner circle so much where she's like, I'll do this job because I don't want to get executed and also we need protein, but I hate you because now I'm like having to like make person jerky for everyone to eat. Person jerky. Person jerky you never again in your life. I feel like that would be a winning dish for sure. Like <laughs> sprinkled over top of some salad? Just yeah. like some candy person bacon. Yeah. Disgusting. I love it. <laughs> I and there a podcast does not go by where I bring up cannibalism. I don't know why either. <laughs> I don't want to examine it too closely. I think I watch too much Hannibal. <laughs> It's your calling card now. You have to live with that. <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, stop at calling, and I was like, Brittany, no! calling is cannibalism. Someone get me out of here. <laughs> well, and, and now we have Vincent, so like now we've met their oh actual cannibal character. What, like, What is his thing? Is it cannibalism? It's got to be. Just feet away from his mouth. I mean... I mean, that's a lot of, like, if there's cannibalism in two out of three storylines, one yeah, one I, could make the much. argument that that's overkill. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just like, this is why I became a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't really blame Vincent when Abby's, like, standing there Stop looking it. like an actual snack. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making that joke. And, yeah, it's not the first time she's made that joke. Brittany's just mad because I keep calling things snacks. Yeah. <laughs> but mostly In I this world, her. that's very dangerous. Don't give Vincent any ideas. Keep your hands and feet away from his mouth. Why would their feet be near his mouth? <laughs> you don't know. I, Listen, I don't two know adults love each other. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Okay, how subject did, change, how, subject how, change. How did we get from cannibalism to foot fetish? <laughs> and why is the why is the second one the one that I find most creepy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, points out two beds. <laughs> Sam has been obsessed with this idea for at least since you know, five seconds after he said it. I just, I'm not obsessed. I'm just, I think it's an interesting uh, choice. That there's two beds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of beds. Y- yes. I feel, I mean, I definitely feel like we're going to get, like if they stay in this location for a long time, that we're going to get to see, like I think it's not a coincidence that instead of just sort of putting them in like a random, you know, shack, she was like, okay, you're in your daughter's house. So I feel like, we're going to get to see them kind of like make themselves at home, get to see some kind of like, you know, more domestic moments. So I feel like, I mean, if we get a sex scene, that would be amazing. I don't really want it to happen in Clark or Maddie's bed. I feel. Yeah, agree. I feel uncomfortable about that. That gives me weird feelings. No, thank you. Yeah. So I don't, I don't quite know how that's going to be navigated, but I do feel like, you know, getting to see them like sleeping or like being domestic. Like, I think we're going to get more of that. Yeah, like, if the next episode, like, opens with them spooning, it's, it's fine. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, like, sleeping, they can, they can sleep in Clark's bed. They just can't, like, sleep in Clark's bed. That would be very strange. Like, this, the fact that, that there is a church, I'm just like, again, like, not subtle, guys. 
I'm currently yeah. the eyeball emoji if anyone wants an update. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they keep using the the church emoji. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the, like the writers were like using it, so it must be important. It's in the opening uh, credits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why it's so important to me that 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 it was a cafe that Clark was staying in and not the church, because when they said that we were going to get to know the church so well, and like immediately after Eden, I assumed that that was because that was where Clark was going to stay. But that's yeah. not true. So now we have to find this other purpose for this church. Wink, wink. Like, I feel like it yeah, probably yeah. has like a really big season-long purpose. Maybe like some horrible thing is going to happen there. But before that <laughs> happens, well, there's there's baby cribs in it. Right in that in that shot. In the nursery. Like if the church becomes like where what Cain and Abby turn into their house, or other characters turn into their house, then that gives us an out where they can we can get another Cabby love scene that is not happening in Maddie or Clark's bed, which would be very in nice. the church. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's been deconsecrated. Fair place to take. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say if you're gonna if you're gonna really commit blasphemy, do it right in a church. Just go full. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like that's really kind of what this show would do, though. I feel like yep. <laughs> it would 100% go there. So I have not ruled it out. I also feel that it's relevant, like, which church emoji Jason chose to use in his, like, uh-huh. emoji story. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Yeah, there's more than one church emoji, but I just got dinosaur emojis. Wait, hang on. Yep. I, there's more than one church emoji? Yeah, there's one with, like, just the cross on top and, like, a stained glass window and stained glass windows. And Don't say stained glass! glass. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Mariah. Well, okay, but they're, but they're different, they're different denominations. Oh, no, there's not. Because the one that Jason used is the pink church with oh, the heart. Okay, okay, okay. And then, there's, a reg- there's just a regular plain church with, like, stained glass windows and, like, regular cross on the top and then this one has also a cross on the top and it's shaped exactly like the same church but instead it's pink and it has a heart on it jason okay i'm like i'm like did you just not know about the other church emoji or are you telling me that i'm getting a wedding because that's the only thing well when you type church what emoji pops up first uh today on metastation we are doing emoji (laughs) something The first one that pops up is the regular one. Oh. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I think maybe that's a clue then. That's a clue. <laughs> like, adds it to my conspiracy theory board about Ken <laughs> Abby's wedding, which is currently covering up my baby theory board. It's fine. I don't have a problem. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> and I mean, like, there's cribs in the church, so they could, like, Obtain a baby through alternate means by, like, in terms of, like, you know, adopting somebody else's child or something. So it's a free baby. It's a free baby. <laughs> Shout out to Grace, who gave us this meme. It's free real estate. It's a free baby. It's a free baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you never know what you're gonna find on this show. You could have come across a baby. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm still holding on to baby theories. Fine. Like, I feel like it could still come true. You know, I feel like I've just got this image of my head of Marcus King turning to the camera and being like, "It's a baby." <laughs> <laughs> 
No, he's just like, Abby, can we keep it? And she's like already like painting the nursery, like, oh yeah. That was the plan. But I kinda need like Henry and Cusick to reenact its free real estate now. Like now that Jenna put that in my head, it has to happen. Okay, so speaking of Kane and Abby adopting children, can we talk about how adorable it was that we got a little indirect grandparents with Maddie moment at the beginning of the episode? Because that made me really emotional. I can't wait for them to meet her. Yeah, Abby's going to be like, wait, I'm a grandma? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this tiny feral child? I already love her, but I don't know who she is yet. (laughs) I want Abby to be like, I want them to like talk about motherhood and Abby be like, yeah, what do you think you were like as a child? (laughs) Because it's not far off. (laughs) You literally tried to usurp me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Must be rough, Clark. Can't imagine what you're going through. Oh, wait. (laughs) If if Maddie says like you may be the one header but I'm in charge, I will like like ha ha like now you know. How does that feel? Uh, what else should we? Oh well, we haven't. Well, let's do like the domestic bits. We we need to talk about things like back rubs and hair kissing. Mm. <laughs> and we need to talk about. I mean, like we could just make cooing noises about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's in, in that scene, it's like it's so difficult to watch in some ways, and then in that, there's like, like two sides of my brain. It's like, oh my god, they're so domestic, and like they're they're just they just look so married. And then there's like, oh my god, this is a terrible scene to watch. Like I'm in pain right now. Yeah. It's so dark. Like, yeah, it is. It is very dark, and the domestic bits almost make it darker in a way. Like when he says when he says to her like. Everyone was going on about how cute the, like, I know what to do scene is. But, like, that's really sad. It's not cute. (laughs) It's not cute. That's really sad. It's really, like, sweet and intimate, but it's also, like, devastating because they've been there before. Like, how many times has he watched her go through withdrawal and thought, okay, this is it. This She's going to be done this time. And how many times has she relapsed? And, like, imagine being her, hearing him say that. Like, how awful she must feel. Like, the shame for her, I think, is something that hasn't been, is, is been much more subtle. Like, Paige has made it very subtle, but is, is just there. It's, um, mm. is like, you can just tell that she feels so ashamed by it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of shame in the scene, you're right. Yeah. And, like, the way that because, because she's, like, in withdrawal and she's, like, far enough away from the medication at that point, is, like, she sort of can see that she has a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like she can recognize what it's doing. The guilt on her face when she turns around and he's, he's like absolving her of, of that guilt, but she's like, no, it's not okay. And like taking in the stock of like what just happened to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm glad she did that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm glad we got the fact that she said, you know, like what happened wasn't okay. Because again, I think. There's this problem of like, oh, if she's just, you get people saying, um, oh, you know, she's just letting him do all this stuff for her and like he's sacrificing everything, blah, 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 kind of thing. And I like that we're not getting, you know, it's very balanced. She's, she's not trying to justify like, anything. No, no, exactly. Yeah. I think like the I theme of the season with them is balance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very mm-hmm. much so. I think part of what's so heartbreaking in that moment, like the, the line that I felt really gutted by, it was when she's talking about, like, 
you know, he's trying to get her to take a break. And she's like, no, like I have to keep pushing through like while I still can. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's mm-hmm. like, she thinks she's ready. Like, she's like, this is going to be the time. Like I, I have yeah. you, I have a job. I know I'm going to like, you know, fall apart physically at some point and I don't know how long it's going to last or how long it's going to take me to get through it. So like, I have to like earn our survival by getting this work done before I like lose my capacity because she's so like in that moment, that's the Abby that is completely ready to, to kick this addiction. And then the fact that Dioza, you know, gives her the easy out and like sort of lures her back in is so heartbreaking because you can feel how like, like he's so proud of her. Like he wants to help, but like they have this moment of where it's like, he like, this is going to be it. Like we're going to make it stick this time. Like, I think it's just super like to sort of stick to the shame thing here. It's something that's super important to hinge that scene and sort of her plot with the addiction in that episode is that she doesn't feel like her worth comes from outside of her work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that um, makes me so sad. Yeah. Which I think like, that oh, might be yeah. Like, like, that's it. That's you know? what she's good for. Yeah, like, and, it's not, I mean, like, her humanity or anything like that. Wow. Yeah, like, she's like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She's also still fighting for him in that moment because, like, if she can't deliver the medical whatever solution that they need, then, like, mm-hmm. they both die and then probably came out. first. Yeah. But, yeah. like, yeah. I also read that that line a lot differently than Claire, I think. Because, like, I don't think that was her completely ready to, like, no. give them up. Um, like, I think that that's her, the further into that scene, I think she is her recognizing she has a problem. But I think that her saying that she needs to work until she can't is because that they have been there so many times yeah. that she knows exactly yeah. what's coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she is going to try to, like, work on this solution until she is un like, until she stops functioning. Yeah, like, she, she knows what's coming frustrated. and she knows she's not going to function at some point. Yeah, she's almost frustrated with her withdrawal symptoms because she knows she can't work as well as she could. And I mean, that's and very so, like, real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also, I think it it makes it, you know, like you you understand why, like all the different reasons behind her deciding to take the pills again. Like, not just because, like, Dioza is leveraging, like, the fact that she has a chemical addiction and, and the chemical addiction is what's making those decisions for her, but also they're being honest in the storytelling about the fact that it's, like, she is better at her job when she's on these drugs, and that's the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost, it's the pragmatic decision. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. It's the survival choice, you know, and or mm-hmm. she or she has convinced herself that it is a survival choice based on very mm-hmm. real circumstances and so i feel like you fully understand the impossible position that she's in where it's like both like she wants those pills because like her body craves them and she feels like she can't function without them and also her reasons for thinking like i need to be on this medication so i can do this job that i need to do Mm -hmm. makes sense because there's a like you know, there's a longer term sort of survival question of like, are Kane and Abby going to be allowed to live if she can't figure this thing out? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, there is no easy answer, like in any addiction situation, there's no easy out. Yeah. And there's the fact that Dioza keeps pounding the 
as long as you're useful, mm-hmm. I won't kill mm-hmm. him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Into her. So like, it's a lot just the fact that it's an addiction, but also like the fact that she's presented with this opportunity, like she immediately gets them back. Uh, cause Dioza gives them to her in that scene. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, I can do this and continue to be useful or I can, like, she doesn't think she can be a good doctor when she's like vomiting. So yeah. And it's for him. It's like, exactly. this is, this is what I have to keep Kane alive. And I'm sure that there's some elements of like, and then I can quit later anytime I want kind of thinking, you know, which yeah. is so difficult. Time. Yeah. 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 And, and it's a com like, it's also sort of a throwback to season three when Jackson made the argument of like taking the chip would make them better doctors. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So it's like taking the drugs makes her think that she can be a better doctor. I didn't even think about that, but you're totally right. I like that it kind of gets cut off before we get to like see what she was going to say. But the little, you know, when he says, you promised, and they have that sort of devastating kind of silent moment, and it's like she starts to say something. Like on his side, there's this like, you made this promise when I was about to die, and so I just assumed uh-huh. that would be a promise that would stick. And on her end, there's the like, yes, but also the circumstances have changed, and this is how, this is how I keep you alive now. You know, yeah. so it's like you can see, you yeah. can totally see it from both sides, like why they're both so distraught over it. And it's it's a very easy way for her to justify everything that she does from here on out. Is well, I don't have time to go through withdrawal right now. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Like once things calm down, I can go with through withdrawal. And like with this show, that'll never mm-hmm. happen. Right. So yeah. she's gonna have to do it in the middle of some kind of crisis, yeah. and it's not gonna be pretty, but. It's going to have to happen Mm -hmm. because either she's going to run out of those pills or someone's going to take them from her or she chooses to quit. I definitely do think that we're setting up for like at some moment, like in the 11th hour when like everything is against them and they most need Abby at the peak of her faculties. She's in withdrawal and having to like fight, 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 fight through it to do something that she needs to do. And my suspicion is that it's going to end up where she's finally asked by Dioza to do something that she knows that she can't do. Like she's asked to cross some ethical line as a doctor that she either knows like either that it's wrong or that it'll put her people in danger or something. And she ends up on the wrong side of Dioza and Dioza's like, all right, you can't have the pills yet. And then she ends up, you know, hopefully like with Kane there to sort of like to support her through, but she ends up having to like, physically go through withdrawal all the way and, and kicking opioid addictions. Like, like withdrawal can be fatal. Like withdrawal is like a brutal, brutal process. Uh-huh. Abby having to like perform medical miracles while like deep in the depths of opioid withdrawal is like the kind of challenge actresses dream of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also feel like I would really love, and I'm hopeful this is where it's going. Like when we get to that moment where she's finally like, Nope, I'm like, this is it. I've like, I've crossed the line. I'm, I'm done. That it is about something that comes from deep within herself and not something that she's doing for Marcus. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You can't recover for other people. Exactly. You have to recover for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it ha- and it has to come mm-hmm. from you. Otherwise, it won't stick. Otherwise, you're just making somebody else happy, and it isn't authentic. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping, like, if it comes from like an ethical, moral, like, like I'd rather be, you know, in physical misery and have you take these pills away, even though I know what it's going to do to my body and how brutal it's going to be, rather than whatever. McCreary or Dioza or whoever is trying to like get her to do for them. 
I like that better because I need her to have agency. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if they do it for her, then there is absolutely no reason she doesn't go back. Yep. Yep. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it, it has to be her own decision. And that's like, that's true with every single addiction is you have to choose to be better for yourself. And to I mean, and you have to, no one you else have to choose you. every day as well. Exactly. Like it's not like, mm-hmm. it's not just like this one time, like, Oh, by the way, I've decided not to do this anymore. Like you have to, it's every single day. And the hardest days are going to be when you have the easiest access to the things that Oh, yeah. Your mind make your life easier. Yeah. And in very practical terms, they do make her life easier. And that temptation is like impossible for her to resist with all the other sort of circumstances pressing in around her. And we're only in episode five and we've got way more of this. And I suspect that this is an arc that's going to carry all the way through, you know, into the finale. So I, I feel like we're going to watch a number of maybe stops and starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I like about how they've already tied the addiction storyline into the medical storyline is that it sets up a bunch of different ways that she could, the like badass Abby Griffin that's still in there, make that decision on her own with Kane to like support her and take care of her and like walk her through it, that he's the reason that she can survive it, but he isn't the reason that she like makes that choice. Yes, exactly. As I was going through, I went back in my rewatch, like all the way through 213, like Resurrection. Resurrection. I was trying to find where Abby's addiction storyline fits with like her series long arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like finding that she does deserve to survive, like finding that reason will be kind of like what propels her towards because I don't I don't know that she like she's out of the bunker but I don't know that she believes that she deserves that she deserves to survive right now yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, no I think she's just she's like coasting yeah yeah that makes like she's she doesn't have time to think about it but like yeah it's obviously still there like deeply rooted in her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was set up in 213 very neatly yeah and kind of, and all the way throughout too, like the, the, starting from the pilot with the like, that's the difference between us. Like, yes. I, I, you know, choose to, you know, make sure that we deserve to survive. So the sort of idea that, that survival is something that you earn by being a good person and by being a, like a, mm-hmm. like a quote unquote, like a good guy. I think one of the things that I think is really interesting about Abby and I, and I feel like a little bit like, they didn't quite stick the landing getting to that moment in like the back half of season four as much as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can, like you can do the work to get there, but I, I would have liked more of those blanks filled in. But I do feel like that trajectory of like dismantling this idea that survival is something that you have to deserve or happiness is something that you have to deserve mm-hmm. or earn mm-hmm. and you have to be worthy of it. I think. I, I think the idea well, that we're sort more, of watching that breakdown of those systems. Go ahead. Yeah, it's more like I'm not looking for like an objective reason for her to like deserve to survive, but for her to feel like she does. Right, right. Yeah, yes, exactly. Or even that her end game, like in the future. Oh, I can hear Kobe. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that her end game, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> that her end game in the future is like that she realizes that it's not about deserving. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Like because, because literally, you're right. Her whole kind of thing, apart from 
hope is everything, which she has yeah. essentially, which is like kind of lost in her, but I believe it's still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, like is about deserving to mm. survive. So I wonder if like, Maybe not this season, maybe by the end, middle of season six, like something like some long game would be that, that she kind of, you know, decides that, that it's not about whether you're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. It, um, but it, it reminds me a little bit of the, the thing that, um, hallucination Jake says to Clark in season one about like yeah. forgiveness mm-hmm. isn't about what people deserve. I feel like yeah. that's, I think that's a place that both Kane and Abby haven't gotten to yet. You know, I think Kane's thing Can about I like quote Wonder Woman. Yes. Can I quote Wonder Woman? Yes. Please it's do. Like the, you know, like the it's not yes. about deserve; it's about what I believe, and I believe in love. Yes. And I think that's yes. Okay. That is such a good quote. That's such an Abby Griffin quote. Yes, um, it really is. Let's just, let's just all file that away for the gif sets we're going to make at the end of the season. <laughs> the why. <laughs> The the, the gif sets we're gonna make at the end of the season. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So what an interesting word that you just said that I've never heard before. And this from the girl who, like, literally as we're talking, tweeted at me that I mispronounced Eligius. And now You do! <laughs> Isn't it Eligius? It's Eligius. Well, I I am, okay, I am not having the Belark versus Belark debate again. Like, I, <laughs> I say words the way I say words. You're wrong about Belark, you're wrong about Allegiance. Does anyone else read it as Belark? Like, I don't read it as Belark. Okay, I say Belark. Thank you, I me too. Belark. I say Belark. I know. Their names are no. Bellamy and Clark. Belark. Thank yeah. you, Brittany. <laughs> Three to two. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You and don't make sense. If you just go back and watch like any episode that they've talked about Allegis, it's Allegiant. <laughs> like Bacon literally says it in the show. Okay, but in fairness, in fairness, the art department cannot decide on how to spell Allegis. Like it's literally you watch. She just said it. Mark. She said it my way. She said Allegis. <laughs> Emily said Allegis. Yeah. I have it on record. <laughs> We're recording this. <laughs> what if you had broken or prayed? <laughs> okay, now we're gonna drag Anthony for spelling. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right though. It's spelled like three different ways or something on different things. I mean, it's a kind Honestly, of a weird word. I I feel like this one cannot be argued because they say it in the show. <laughs> oh, great, like someone's gonna have to say "dollar" <laughs> in the show so that people can be right. That's I feel like that's a level of self awareness about shipping that we don't need. Okay, like, but in like fairness, Riverdale. I mean, in fairness, all of the Eligius crew, crap, came from, <laughs> from now. They're millennials, so they would make ship names. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> like, Dioza. Could you imagine if Dioza just, like, dropped, like, Cappy, like? <laughs> yeah, but, like, Dioza was born in 1997. That's a millennial. That's my year. Oh, my God. I was born the oh same year as Dioza. so tiny. You are Dioza. She's tiny. I oh, am Dioza. <laughs> Spoiler like, alert. Wait, Dioza was born in 1997? Wait, what? Yeah. We know this? Okay. okay, oh my god, oh Man. my god, here we go. So here's here's the deep level of sci-fi deep dive that Brittany I live for. Is a gay who's good at math. I'm a gay who's bad at math. Um, <laughs> there's a scene behind Murphy and Raven that gives the date of the bombings 
Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of um the so it's like July fourth, twenty forty one. Right. So you just do that math backwards, and you kind of like give a little room for whatever the character age is and when she was in prison. But basically, you take Ivana's age and that, and you get nineteen ninety seven. Oh. So she's a millennial who like probably once shopped at Sephora and like <laughs> ordered stuff from Amazon and probably boycotted Starbucks <laughs> and. No- and knows ship things, and had the internet, and knows about memes. Oh my god! So that makes me feel like, like, oh. I wonder if the fascist government she was fighting against was like, I don't really want to think too hard about. No, so it was Trump. Yeah, like, like yeah. that. That makes me feel like that's a very dark projection on Jason's part of like what the next twenty years of our life are gonna be like. But it's not, I feel like it's not inaccurate, and I feel like that's something that would do. But it's also, like, mind-bendy time travel, like, did Dioza watch the first three seasons, and that's why she thinks (laughs) Abby or Mary? That's why, that's why Vincent was like, it's an honor to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm meeting Cabby for the first time. <laughs> I all Paris cons and stuff, so this is a real, a real treasure. Oh, uh, amazing. Like on, on Galaxy Quest. Oh, yes! Oh my god. Oh my god. Now, see, now I'm going to be really disappointed if that, if that doesn't ever, like, manifest in the story. <laughs> This is why I'm like, I need Zeke to make, like, some kind of reference, because, like, he's Gen Z. I need him to say a meme. You guys, they would get the free real estate meme. They would get the free real estate meme! (laughs) That's what they they thought when they came back down. They were like, they saw Eden, and they were like, it's free real estate! (laughs) Can this be a time for me to admit that I don't get the free real estate meme? Send her the free real estate meme. Should I send oh her the thank you? It's, it's just a reaction image of this guy from a commercial, and he just looks at the camera and goes, it's free real estate. The only one and that I have. I don't know why. It's funny, but it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. The one that I have saved okay. is the face. Okay, hang on. I'll just, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. I'll send you I'll send you the know your meme, because you're old, so I'll just send you to the wall. Oh, yes. You can learn. I hate you, but also thank you. <laughs> I was just going to let you be dragged alone, Claire, but uh, would you mind sending that to me, too? Ha! 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 uses all the time. Exactly. I mean, you just sit there and quietly don't get something. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh man. Okay, okay I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just very good at playing along. She's like, I'm an actress. This is what I'm good at. <laughs> okay, well, now I have my homework for the rest of the day. Um... It'll, it'll take like two seconds. You're fine. Okay. You don't need. You don't need to dedicate all day. Okay. You, I'm gonna wait for the. I'm gonna wait for you to use that meme, Claire. You have to use it. <laughs> okay. Like you have to use the one that I made, which is it's a free baby. I did yeah. see that one. <laughs> like, yeah. So that was me. So this is like a spelling test where like you demonstrate your learning by like using it correctly in a sentence. Yeah. That's how all memes work, though. <laughs> yeah. Like when we finally got you to start saying fam, like 
I'm sure after people had stopped saying fam. <laughs> Listen, I'm 36. There is a learning curve. Like, by age 35, you should know your memes. <laughs> yes, because then by that's age 36, you have forgotten me. them all. That was a meme exception if she didn't get it. No, I got it. I Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you. Okay. I got that meme. Okay, well, at, by age 35, you should have at least 10 frame photos of Jeff Goldblum in your house. <laughs> that's, that's the only good one. And I'm going to do it. No, no. the best one was yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but it was like, by age 35, you should. And it was like one of those ones where it's like describing a person and it was the mom from Pride and Prejudice. I'm ruining this, but I'll retweet it. It was hilarious. <laughs> anyway. Okay. That was, that was a good okay. story. We got to move back on. Okay. So, <laughs> so last like wrap up thoughts on, oh, I guess let's, let's, let's wrap up by like, what are your... Um, like hopes and dreams for the rest of the season for Cabby. Guys, we have not talked about the wife comment. <laughs> oh, no. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yes, we got to do Kane and Vioza, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Like we have to talk about how I nearly fainted. She did. Yeah. <laughs> in um, real time. Can Can Brittany describe this to us in detail, please? Because like the great oh. thing. About- the thing about 505 is that, like, this, like we were through, like, the screeners. We were through everyone's preview. Like, no one knew what was coming. So we were all, like, blindsided together by everything. And it was great. So, like, like fed. So, so, like, let me paint you a word picture. <laughs> so we're on the couch. Mm-hmm. We're, we're watching the episode. Sam's been moving all episode, including an entire sequence where she kind of just grabbed my arm. That was, that was the, uh... <laughs> head kisses and like back massage like domesticity yeah. thing I just like clutched her arm the entire time because yeah. I was like I can't believe I'm witnessing this because they're touching and it's so soft and like the scene was so dark that I could see our reflections in the TV so I could see how ridiculous yeah. look. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to this scene and I'm just like chattering along like making fun of Kane for thinking he's gonna die because he doesn't know he's a main character <laughs> And Yosa says, like, you know, the pill thing is between you and your wife. And Sam gets up on her feet and stands on the couch. That was later. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to to tell the story about your own? Yes, because I know what happened. I know how my body moved. Uh, Because she goes, the pill thing is between you and your wife. And I'm, like, sitting like a perfectly normal person up until that point. Sure. But, like, if you've ever seen a drag queen death drop (laughs) (laughs) I I essentially did something very similar but all while seated on a couch Uh, I fully did like a 90 degree turn flopped over landed my head in Brittany's lap and like kicked into the air because I was like what what like she said that I cannot believe this I forgot the gay drama of that moment. <laughs> it was like, this is not. <laughs> this is real life. That's She's, amazing. Yeah. And, and, and then at the end of the episode, she was kind of just standing on the couch like a dog. I stood up because uh, Echo ran to Bellamy. That was why I stood up. Yeah. So I was like, I am being fed on every level. Thank you. <laughs> the couch does not thank you. <laughs> Uh, so she's she's not just my wife. Oh, like okay. So apparently, like three years ago, my OTP tag for Kate and Abby on Tumblr is 
uh, she's not just my friend. But there is a time, like, and I literally went, she's not just my wife. And I was like, whoops, am I, am I a, was that a premonition? Did I speak this into existence? Uh, I think I did. I think you did. I mean, I, I associate you as being like the person that I know who talks the most regularly and vociferously about cabbie weddings. Like that is, that's very, yeah. very much part of your personal brand, I feel. She has a cabbie wedding Pinterest board. I, I know. Do. I've seen it. It's amazing. I, I wish I could go back deep enough in my Twitter to find the first time that I binge watched, uh, from season one to up to 208, cause that's all that it aired at that point. Like within the space of one weekend. And I went from like, oh, they yell at each other. I like it to I ship this so hard. I want them to get married, even though they hate each other right now. What is happening? (laughs) She's like, I want them to get married. And I'm like, bro, like it's 208. Yeah, this is literally during (laughs) 208. And I was like, just shock laughter. She's like, no, they're going to get married. I was like, no. And I was like, crap. She's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. Just follow your dreams, people. Keep saying the things that you want to happen, and maybe someday on television it will. <laughs> Manifest it to the universe. I will. I, I've planted that seed. I've <laughs> that harvest. Uncomfortable. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have to say, though, like, I, um, I loved, I mean, uh, uh, there was every everything about that scene I loved with my entire heart. I loved the, like, just kind of how casually in control and authority Dioza was and how like yes, yeah. every, every single thing that she did just like flustered and freaked out Kane more. And I loved the, the wife gambit as kind of like a power play on her end. Mm-hmm. Um, like a way to sort of, you know, casually kind of maintain the upper hand by like making him have to like, give her more information about their relationship than he maybe is comfortable with. I also feel like, Two other things I think are, are potentially maybe embedded in the subtext of that moment for Dioza is, first of all, is part of this, you know, like in her kind of like trying to suss out, um, people's weaknesses, vulnerabilities to exploit, um, A, on some level is this her trying to figure out if he's also Clark's father. Like is, is Clark kind of like mm-hmm. a lever, a leverage point for yeah. him? Or just for Abby, or like in different ways, like so that's kind of part of it. I I was wondering this from her side, to kind of figure out like who are all these people to each other. Um, and also mm-hmm. on his end, and I and I mentioned this a little bit on on Twitter, but like part of me wonders like when he says she's not my wife in that kind of the sort of like sadness in the way that he like he's not saying it just like oh casual FYI about our relationship status. Like it it felt like weighted with something, and so I kind of wonder is part of this that, like, even though, like, even though they love each other and they've been together for six years now and they're, like, such a, like, a, a couple and a unit, does does he still on some level maybe feel like the ghost of Jake a little bit? Like, she's somebody else's wife in some way still, you know? Um, and I don't know. I, mean, I really hope not. I, re- I like, yeah, I really I hope that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, I don't think in any kind of like a textual, like I think, I think in practical terms, the ring thing in 402 kind of resolved that. It just made me sort of wonder, like, is there, is the fact that they're not married something that 
Or or something that that Mm -hmm. costs him emotionally to think about and admit. Like it, like it makes it not that not that I don't know. Not that it invalidates or lessens their relationship, but just like it's a it's something that he wants and doesn't feel like he can have yet. Maybe you know. Well, I wonder if it's something that like they've had a conversation about before. Like I wonder Mm -hmm. if this is almost something that we're gonna find out about in the dark year. Mm. You know. Oh, did anyone like did it. anyone get married in the bunker? I don't you think reckon, so. Mm-mm. Like, did they really? Was that really a thing that they were doing down there? I right. And yeah. also, and and would I mean, and would they would they even consider it without Clark? Oh right. yeah. yeah. I also, for me, I sort of also read it as like. He's. It's just a statement of fact that they're not married. Exactly. But it's also yeah. Like. But it's also Dioza is looking for pressure points. Yep. yep. She knows the pill thing is a pressure point. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she can tell that these two mean something to each other, but she's trying to like fully figure it out still. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like Kane saying she's not his wife might like I don't, I'm trying to figure out what I'm like how I'm trying it, to like makes more. him makes them not weaker but like she's like oh okay so this is a vulnerable spot for you like mm-hmm. kind of yeah, yeah exactly. and it's like it's it's kind of like she's underestimating their relationship in not knowing and mm-hmm. i mean like in knowing that she's not his wife like it gives her an, a space to underestimate that relationship because even the though commitment she's not, isn't there in her mind yeah i guess yeah yeah like dioza sees like they they haven't made a vow or anything but in every sense of the word, they actually have bowed their lives to each other. And, like, there is a deep, like, soul commitment there to each other that isn't defined by whether or not they're married. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that pressure point will become, like, more clear as the season goes on. Um, and just, like, I, <laughs> I'm trash. Uh, and, like, <laughs> love the like concept of just using another person like as a pressure point and like for emotional manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Uh so So glad to be dating you. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Oh, that was a weird comeback. It's <laughs> just like <laughs> No, but I, I I agree with you. I think um I, one thing I think is really that I love about Dioza, you know, I think she's, I think that she's so smart about people and their connections and their pressure points. And I feel like, and I think that we saw that we've seen this already with Shaw. And I think she could also end up there with Kane and Abby where, where her, where her Achilles heel is places where, um, she, she thinks that she knows them better than she does. Like she, she's, she's underestimated Shaw's, um, fear of and loyalty to her. And she's underestimated how smart Mm -hmm. Raven is. And that's already become Mm -hmm. something where there's like, um, you know, she's where she's a lot, like accidentally sort of allowed herself to be 
hoodwinked by people who are smart enough to know, okay, this is how Dio's is going to think. So like, we're going to stage a thing where I act like I double crossed you and you scream, how dare you, you bastard, as they drag you away. Even though clearly they gamed out this plan the whole way along with Murphy having the shot mm-hmm. call, you know? So I think, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's with, an arrogance. Yeah. So I wonder if with Kane and Abby, if, if part of like maybe separating them, it, it, trying to, with, bringing the pills back as like a leverage point, both as a reward for Abby and as a way to kind of like keep Kane off his game a little bit. Um, I wonder if maybe the like, they're not married opening. Let's just like, like not, not in a, like I'm going to, you know, break them up by seducing one of them kind of way, but, no, but, yeah. but, but in a, in a, like, um, can I play, like, how can I leverage this to my advantage? And that she will, again, as she did with Shaw, kind of overreach and miscalculate because she's underestimating I mean, like like we know that no one in the entire world is smarter than Raven when Raven's on her game. And we know that Kane and Abby's love is so strong that like it withstood six years of like absolute utter horror. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. and that it was so hard won and hard built given how antagonistic they started off, you know, in in the beginning. So I feel like there are places where you know, she's observing what she can see now with no backstory. And she's right a lot of the time because she's incredibly intelligent and perceptive. But there's also all of these things in these characters' history that we don't know. And I think her coming to Kane and being like, all right, you know, you win. You're useful. I need to know more about Octavia is, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's kind of admitting like, all right, fine. There's stuff about you people that I don't understand. And so I wonder if maybe... The wife thing, she thinks like, ah, okay, I'm flagging this as helpful information I can use to exploit yeah. later, and it will turn out mm-hmm. actually that it isn't. Yes, like, thank you for like making me sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. No, you're, um, you you make you sound smart. Oh, thank you. Mm. But <laughs> hey, you can, you can tell who really wants to roast you because it's the two went. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was like getting at that. It's, it turns out to be like, she, maybe she's testing all of Abby's pressure points. Like she knows the pill thing is one. She knows that Clark is one because she's yep. her daughter. Um, and she's like, she, un, like the fact that they aren't married allows her to underestimate that he is currently her most important relationship. And yes. she was military trained. Like mm-hmm. this is this is an incredibly smart woman who was probably trained in interrogation. Oh yeah. She she knows to file away every piece of information that she possibly can to use later. Yeah. And like I just am really looking forward to the moment when it does backfire on her and they like choose each other over like whatever thing she puts them against or whatever. Uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I definitely I I think the fact that they're in this storyline together and they each have sort of separate um, jobs that serve Dioza's goal at the moment. Like they're they're useful to her in distinct ways, but they're in the same storyline together. It makes me feel like we're going to continue getting this really lovely sort of triangulation of like, you know, like Abby with McCreary and Vincent and the science stuff. Kane with Dioza in terms of like you know fulfilling roles individually, mm-hmm. but that everyone is going to be trying to sort of figure out you know, how to get what they want out of these people by leveraging their relationships. Like the same way that 
um, you know, the same way that she, that, that Maddie is a pressure point for Clark. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Like the, the mm-hmm. same way she's like, okay, so, so agreeing to not, you know, go after the, you know, the kid is how I get this Clark person to do what I want, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, so I think it'll be interesting to see sort of how that pans out for, you know, for Kane and Abby too. Mm-hmm. And can we just say, like, very flippantly, that I really feel like Dioza was created for the gays? Oh, oh, a million percent. I I feel like I ordered her off a fucking menu. Yes. She's she's my she's like my milf Pike. Can you believe we got two new milf villains? We got two new milf. Yes. We had like the morally gray milfs. There's one in each storyline. God bless you, Jason Rothenberg. Oh. Morally gray milfs. That sounds like a band. <laughs> We've got, we've That's got my Diosa, band name. We've got Kara. We've got Indra. Like yes. Oh my god. Everywhere. And I mean, and I, and I love. You get a milk, and you get a milk. <laughs> but like for for real, I feel like I mean, like like Shaw is also great. But like the thing about Dioza and McCreary, it's like they're like like when they add substantive new adult characters and give the adults more adults to play off of. What I like about that is that it really signals like a deep attention to the fact that the adult characters on this show are really beloved, you know, like, like every season Mm -hmm. Indra's role gets bigger and, and, Mm -hmm. and richer and more complex and sort of moves away a little bit from the kind of like angry black woman stereotype that she was like a little bit right at the beginning. Um, and, and she like gets fleshed out and gets more nuance and more substance and like deeper relationships. And then adding in Kara, adding in Diosa and McCreary, giving the adults like, relationships that orbit around them, also weaving them into the kids' stories. It's like, you know, I, I feel like it's a, to me, it says that they hear and understand that, like, people who watch the show like that kind of multi-generational aspect of it. Like, it yeah. isn't, yeah. it isn't mm-hmm. just a show about teenagers. And, and also, they age everyone up, so, like, everyone's an adult now. There's only two kids yeah. left, mm-hmm. you know, um, the actual kids. Maddie but, and Ethan. Maddie and Ethan, yeah. Um, I was like, who's the other kid? Yeah. He's high. Yeah. No, the White Wells, the, the murder baby conclave. Um, but like, but so I, I feel like just at like, like knowing that the new Elegious people are going to be like, the, we're going to like play such a big role. You know, I like that. I really love that it was a woman leader. Um, and I love that it's like adults kind of of a like generational peer age with Kane and Abby that you can kind of get these adult dynamics, even though they're removed from Indra and Jaha is gone and Pike is gone and the characters where we've gotten to see that before. Um, because it's just kind of, you know, it's interesting watching, like watching Kane and Dioza, um, like they're that, that dynamic was like fascinating because we don't often see Kane with characters that throw him off his game to that degree because he's like so much kind of like, like older and more centered and wiser, you know, and more stable than a lot of the other people that he's like around all the time. Cause it's like the youngins, you know? Um, and so watching him like do tequila shots and not be able to handle it. <laughs> oh my God. Me. Also, I just like, when you're saying that, I, we watched the uh, sneak peek of them with Dioza and Vincent, and I just like sat there like watching it, and I was like, 
Everyone in this scene is over 40. Yep. Yeah. This is a yeah. show on a CW. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are multiple Not- scenes this season with people who are over 40. And I'm like, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I feel like the advantage to that, that had season four very much at a disadvantage, is that Kane and Abby, because they have these storylines with the other adults, don't have to hold the idiot ball so that the kids are always right. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That was, that was one of the things in season four that... I, it was so annoying. Yeah. When they, so when they would make, like, like, Kane, okay, he was, he's always a smart politician, but like, at, at times he'd make a decision and you'd be like, hang on, he would never ever make that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and you it, can tell it was to it serve was, the plot. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. so frustrating. And now we're getting like, scenes where he's a capable politician and he's like, being a smartass. And we're also getting <laughs> the return of, like, science competent genius Abby. Mm-hmm. Abby Griffin. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this is the woman who built the bracelets to send the kids down yes. to, like, measure mm-hmm. their vital signs and, like, crafted this from scratch. Yeah. And, like, she's also, she's this person who knows all this history about the arc. She knows how, like, the human body works in, like, stressful conditions. She knows, like... She helped broker the first truce between the grounders and them by saving Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she stopped an armed standoff between a murder cult and a fleet of prisoners, like, by going peacefully. Yeah. Like, this is a brilliant woman, and she's back. And I and I feel like, I, I totally agree. I, I think that, I think on some level, and I don't know if this is conscious or not, but it's like, it's like in season five, we're getting the fully realized version of things that they tried to do in, in season three for Kane and in season four for Abby and didn't quite get there all the way because there wasn't as much of an arc as we would have wanted. But like, yeah. mm-hmm. but like season, like season four, Abby, de- you know, de- like dealing with, um, like with a mental health problem, you know, check that piece of it. And also being the only person with the science brain to solve some unsolvable problem, check, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, under sort of extreme duress circumstances of some kind, you know, and I, and I think what, what didn't work for me about Abby's storyline in that last season was that it felt like it was, it was a series of like really great moments that didn't necessarily all string together as much as I would have wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that the good meat of it went to Raven and Clark instead. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like, I think that, you know, the things, the things that worked in seasons three and four, um, are being sort of built on. And the things that I, that every watching it, I was always kind of like, I wish that this had happened. I wish it had been like a little bit more of this or this been tied to this. I think that they've kind of ironed those kinks out and we're getting in for both of them in season five, like the best version of a like, you know, Dr. Abby solving unsolvable problems under horrifying circumstances storyline and the best version of a like, you know, Kane, the like diplomat and politician who makes hard choices, who knows the Blakes really well, you know, who can kind of like, you know, get people to follow him and he's going to kind of be, you know, like Octavia is his new Pike in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, so I feel like they're really fleshing out the things where in past seasons it was kind of like, you know, like wishing that a little bit more attention was being paid to making sure the adults, um, arcs kind of had a real payoff. And I feel like they're already like, 
I'm so happy already with kind of what we've gotten of that, like individually and together for both of them this mm-hmm. season. Right. Like I'm already yeah. more satisfied with these five episodes than like the whole of season four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think it's, it's, it's especially true of Kane and Abby, like with they, that they've taken all of what they learned in the previous seasons and like perfected it yeah. this year. But, like, I feel like that's true of the entire show. Uh-huh. In yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, every single part of it is, like, interesting to me. Oh, year. yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. There's like, no storyline that you, like, sit there and suffer through and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, for me, yeah. that was Mount Weather in season two. Like, after a while, I was like, oh, my God, how much more of this can I take? But in this season, I love every single part of it. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, they took every piece of the previous seasons that didn't work and, like, scrapped it. And then they took all the good pieces of the previous seasons and, like, elevated it and have just, like, made this show that's, like, very self-aware and it, like, cares about its characters more and, like, the relationships are richer and it's just, like, thank you. This yeah. is a gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On every level. It really is. And I and I feel like it's what, I, what I'm excited about so far is just, like, is how much stuff, like, the how much stuff we can we can kind of extrapolate and project and speculate on and how much stuff we just frankly like have no idea like how many how many yeah. surprises have already arrived even even in the four episodes that we kind of knew the most about and thought we had some guesses and projections there were still huge surprises and you know and knowing how much is you know, more is coming and how everyone has been kind of talking about like you know, like the finale and like what the finale twist is, is being like something that we don't expect. So I love, like, I love that we're being surprised, but I also just really feel like, I feel like the show remembered. And I think Kane and Abby are like the perfect example of this. Like, it's like the show has remembered that the thing that keeps us super invested in like the big high stakes, actiony, bloody, murdery, sci-fi, kind of spectacle stuff that the show does really well. Like we care about that because we care about these people and these people mm-hmm. care about each other, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of the like, you know, mayhem and insanity so far this season, it's all driven by character, you know, like, like all this stuff that happened in the bunker is driven by like the extremely believable, you know, transformation of Octavia from the Octavia we knew into this, creature who makes these choices and you understand why she does and you understand like where it all comes from even though it's like horrifying but you're like yes Mm -hmm. okay i see how you got there and i yes i see how everyone around you made the choices that they made like under that you know under those circumstances and you know and it's all rooted in in relationship you know and um and i think that kane and abby's love being so central to the story and then finding all these ways to tell like really like important and dramatic and thoughtful um, stories about addiction and about loving someone with an addiction and, and relationships and compromise and relationships and things like that. While also there's like, like cannibalism and space and, you know, and serial killers and sandworms, like all, like it doesn't, like all, like none of that stuff takes away. So far this just sounds like Star Wars. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, for real, for real, for real. Yeah. Like all my favorite sci-fi trips. But that's the thing that you don't take away from Star Wars. You don't like walk out of Star Wars and go, oh man, like. You know, the plot and this and that. The first thing you do when you walk out of Star Wars is go, can you believe that, like, Leia 
flew through space or that Han did this or that like Kylo Ren is the worst. Like you're always talking about the characters and then the <laughs> plot discussion comes later. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I and I feel like that's like that's the thing that I thought was missing. Like in the seasons of the show that I haven't liked as much, it's because they they lean on um on big bloody dramatic actiony like Game of Thronesy spectacle. And, and you forget that, like, this is a world where from the beginning we were set up that, like, every single life and every single death means something to somebody, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and I feel like they've found that again. I think it starts as early as, like, you know, Clark with Jasper's goggles and kind of giving us that closure we didn't really get in season four. But I feel like it's true of, like, everything, you know, in every part of the storyline is that, like, love and human connection you know, or, you know, or like in Octavia's case, like the fear of love and human connection are like the things that are driving all of these stories. And I just feel like, I mean, I just can't believe how lucky we are that we're getting like plot, like not just like plot relevant cabbie as people, but like their love as like the massive thematic Pandora's box, like allegory (laughs) for like the whole season. I'm just like, what is happening? Can't believe it. Listen, I, I will just be so pleased if the line "Love is everything" is ever uttered yes. in canon. Mm-hmm. Yes. I will die on the yes. spot. I think we will all collectively like pass out and scream at the mm-hmm. same time. <laughs> Big mood, but I also think it's super plausible. Like, I I think we absolutely oh, yeah. could get that. Yeah, it came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you're right. Like, every episode, it feels truer and truer that, like, love is the theme, you know? Yeah, like, literally, this past uh, episode, my I hinged my entire review around, like, the different ways that love is perceived in these, yeah. like, groups and the mm-hmm. lines. And it's just, like, I will be thrilled if that's, like, how the entire season continues is, like, who... Like, the different types of love between all of these characters, like, mm-hmm. Kane and Abby have that romantic love that, like, withstand, withstands anything that they, like, come up against. And then there's Maddie and Clark who have that mother-daughter love this season uh, and, like, have that bond. And then there's Space Crew who is, like, Family. all these weird different, like, people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to, like, care about each other this much. <sighs> but they are such a family that they, like have like you can throw any two of them together and see how much they care about each other mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like it's interesting too like how each of those like three groups of relationships will play into uh like their priorities this season mm-hmm. yeah uh, like Clark's priority is Maddie Kane and Abby's priorities are each other uh Space Crew's priorities are each other and like how will that like play against each other throughout the mm-hmm. like if they have to choose something that like goes against one of their other like groups? Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think that we're I think that we're headed for that collision in a lot of different areas, and I I think I think in Abby's case, I do feel like I um I appreciated how kind of gracefully it was handled in season or in episode four that like, you know, like we saw her choose Kane over Clark in a way that didn't diminish her love for Clark or how happy she was to be reunited with her or like what it means mm-hmm. for her to know that yeah. Clark is alive. But it was just sort of like, 
you know, the person who needs me the most right now is my husband, you know, and, um, and, you know, and I think that's where she is in her life. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's both a, um, it's both a testament to the fact that she's kind of acknowledging on some level, um, Clark's like autonomy as an adult woman, Mm-hmm. You know, like, like Clark doesn't, Clark doesn't need a mommy, you know, and, and that's, a, that's part of the journey that, that Abby's been on for a long time is like, you know, like seeing Clark as a kid and having to realize like, okay, nope, she's, she's not, she's an adult and that's its own really painful, difficult transition, but it's, you know, it's reality. But I also think that it's a, um, it's a shifting of the ground a little bit from the Abby that we saw in the previous seasons where, Clark was the person that she was always making those decisions for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we don't have to see anyone resent her for those decisions now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it isn't, there's no, like Clark wasn't like, Hey, wait a minute. Like Clark was like, yes, let me help you save your husband. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh. My new favorite aesthetic is just referring to King, King as her husband. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I'm, like, I'm just going to pull full Dioza for the rest of the season and just refer to them <laughs> as husband and wife. Like, did you guys see that they're husband and wife on the wiki page now? Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what who what a I hero. <laughs> well, and Clark is Kane's adoptive daughter. Oh, emotions. <laughs> Even Kobe's crying about it. Like, oh. the way... <laughs> When they smiled and like ran to each other when they, girl, so good. <laughs> like, like, literally all the things are just being like checked off and like things we didn't even ask for. It's just like, oh, did you want handcuffs? Oh, together. Oh, did you want other people commenting on this relationship? Yeah, <laughs> my diary. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ready? Did you want a baby? Yes. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> baby and wedding. That's all that's left on the list. Everything else has been crossed off, man. I mean, what we would take to get through the opioid addiction. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, so, so we have, we have, uh, recovery. We have another uh, sex scene. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Or, or just, you know, some aggressive kissing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it's so funny that they haven't, like, kissed on the mouth this season yet. But, like, <laughs> yeah. been, what's going on there? Like, we've been so fed otherwise that, like, like they've both kissed each other anyway. <laughs> We're, I'm not trying to make this sound sexual. They just have. I, I feel like we're like, I feel like we're gearing up for like a big kiss though. I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. No, I refer to it as the big damn kiss and I'm waiting for it. Oh yeah. Like it's so, like I was doubting it a little bit after the, after the first like dodged uh moment mm-hmm. when they like almost kiss and then it's interrupted. I was like, oh, okay, well maybe it'll happen sometime. And then, they got interrupted again right before what seemed like an opportunity for a kiss in 505. And I was like, okay, this is deliberate. Y'all are doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, because so, it's the altar kiss, obviously. Oh, uh, the altar kiss or the uh, passionate action kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. All very good options. 
the uh, reunion kiss. Like, there's so many good, like, there there are options here. Sam has a list. <laughs> Marriage kiss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The I almost lost you kiss. Always a classic. Mm-hmm. Good one. Mm-hmm. This podcast so, is just devolved just, into yeah. <laughs> just listing kinds of kisses. All right. Um, any last wrap up thoughts or important things that we miss that we can think of before we go? Well, did you want to do the um, thing you mentioned when we almost ended earlier where oh. everyone goes around their hopes and dreams for the rest of the season? Are you saying that because you have hopes and dreams that you want to share? Because I would like to hear them. Let's do it. Oh, I want to hear everyone. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Is it like, okay, is this like realistic hopes and dreams or just like, like fluffy hopes and dreams or like serious hopes and dreams? This you can, can do both. Yes. You can, you can reach for the stars. We don't have to be tied to any kind of plot realism here. Like, I think at the end of our last cabbie podcast, I had like, a realistic list and then like my dream list which had the baby on it but like <laughs> so Sam, that was on your realistic list <laughs> yeah you bet I made a point okay okay go ahead okay so I can go I'll go yeah, first no, no Jen yeah. go first yes okay so on my like crazy well no this could be realistic <laughs> on my list um I would like, in terms of, like, we talk about different types of kisses. I would like um, a kind of, like, super, super passionate kiss, because we haven't got one of those yet. Um, but I would also like a soft kiss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, like, whether it's, like, a casual kind of, like, oh, and a casual, like, goodbye kind of maybe, where they're not yeah. in danger and it's just like, oh, bye. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Another more like, like 402. Yeah, that's like kind the of... the postcoital like double yeah. kiss thing oh, that yeah, happened. Like yes. there was no, yeah, there was no consequence at hand. Like they they were just kissing because they wanted to kiss. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I really would like another sex scene mm-hmm. because like I think it's but like a different type. So like we got the the after of like <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing the show has ever done. <laughs> yeah. I, I seriously, I can't believe it. I cannot. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> I would quite like the the before, maybe like the le- the lead up kind mm-hmm. of. Um, because we missed their first, we missed their first time. I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to get the the tearing each other's clothes off thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, so that's kind of it on like the and like a couple kind of scale. I would like them to get married. Um if it if it fits into the plot properly. I don't want it just thrown in there, but like I think they've they've given enough kind of foreshadowing for it to be a, a real possibility. So and it would be nice because they're in Eden and it's like all pretty and there's flowers. Um so that's kind of it like relationship wise, I think the most important thing obviously this season is that they handle Abby's storyline I don't know, right like that they I don't know how you know there's so many different ways that you can um that you can do this kind of thing I mean there's so no there's no one fits all kind of approach but um 
I just, and I'm sure they will. And so far I have like all the confidence in them. Um, so I hope they continue on the path that they're going really. And I hope that they, they just keep that balance between Kane and Abby and, you know, that we see both sides of the story and that we get some kind of eventual recovery, I think. Excellent. That's kind of like, that's kind of like my big hope. That's beautiful. That was really good. Emily? (laughs) Um, yeah, like I would really like, um, the casual sort of kiss as well. Um, but I think, oh, I don't know. Sorry. My brain is going a million places right now. Um, yeah, I definitely want them to get married. I think that it's reasonable to almost expect that at this point. Um, I, I would like the lead up to a love scene, perhaps as a honeymoon night. Ooh, and, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're right, Jen. There's flowers. They gotta. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a church like, right on. there. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know, like, I, yeah, it was funny when I was putting together this list, like, I completely exposed myself. All of my, like, wishes were for Abby's storyline. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't mean, think about Kane. Um, but something that, like, came up as I was processing this is I would really, like, I have this headcanon that Clark actually got her artistic skills from Abby. Yes. Um, and I, like, just like now that we've kind of seen like Maddie has been doodling a little bit, like I would love to see that generational connection, you know, and it would also be like something to show Abby outside of her relationships, outside of her addiction. It would just be pure Abby. I like that. I love that. That's weird. Yeah. Like, give us Abby sketching, like, the flowers that are in Eden, like, in the notes of her, like, medical files. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take that. That'd be amazing. So, yeah, that's kind of it for me. Just get married. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Do art. Get married, bang. <laughs> get married and bang. I'm, like, this is, as, like, the number one hound for them getting married, I feel like my agenda has been complete and putting everyone on this. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. I want, I would like a little bit more um, of the tension because then it makes the resolution so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would like like a serious, like Frank talk about like addiction and how it impacts both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, just like talks about mental health and, you know, maybe Marcus can't be the one to help her, but he knows someone who can sort of thing. Um, John Murphy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see Marcus have a plot where he gets a lot of his like, like protagonist stuff back. Like I want him to be proactive. Yeah. And I think mm. that's what he's getting yeah. at Yoza, where he's making, he's making himself a role. Yeah. Um, which I think has been missing because Abby's always had a really clear role, but Kane's kind of not always had like the most clear role because it's like he's the chancellor, but Clark was in charge or, you know, he's, he was the chancellor, but he wasn't elected and Pike was elected. And it was kind of like a little bit, you're never really sure. So I really like him to see, like, see him embrace that peacemaker sort of thing. 
Can and I then, just like hijack you for a second? Yeah, do it. Because <laughs> that was actually on my list as well. And this has gone back to like I've written meta about this. I want Marcus Kane to take charge of one of those love scenes. He has mm-hmm. been so mm-hmm. passive. That is not what I thought you were gonna say. I am full of surprises. It's fine. Um, but like, if you think about it, like, apart from their very first kiss, like, it's been Abby just going to town and he's mm-hmm. like, I guess this is happening. <laughs> I think he's yeah. I mean, he a little, little more active though. participant than that, but he was on top. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, but I, no, I agree. Emily and I have like literally mapped this out with the soundtrack. I mean, while we're here, <laughs> hey, did you post this soundtrack? Do you want to drop a sound count? No, it's, it's, literally, it's literally just one song. Like we discussed this. Like, what song is it? What? Yeah, like you can't just like <laughs> say these things. It's on my bunker mix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're like having like these secret group chats where they like make a soundtrack to like their love yeah. like excuse you it's just a text it's just me because <laughs> uh, we're out of control well that certainly <laughs> seems to be true yeah that's no, did we not did did we not do this in front of people oh god <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> does anyone want to know what my player. hopes and dreams are? Anyway, yeah. well, player, tell us what your hopes and dreams are. Thank you. I was just going to defend it. I should defend that, but like, okay, fine. No. No, you should your shame where it is. No, yeah. Like, okay, listen. We're, we're going to leave you exposed want... and then move on so that you are embarrassed. <laughs> I'll just give my hopes and dreams after yours. Goodbye. Well, I thought you already gave them. No. All right, well, then go. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was implied. I, mean, I said that I'm glad that everyone is on my marriage agenda uh-huh. and like that I agree with everyone so far. Okay. Um. God, now I've like scrambled my own brain. Um. No, I also agree. Uh, I want to see like a good um recovery storyline for Abby. Um, I want to see their relationship continue to be like at the center of like the plot. Yeah, so it's really nice. Um, obviously, I want them to get married. Um, I also agree. I would like like an angry kiss, kind of not like an angry kiss, but like no, I know what you mean. Yeah, mid, like mid argument. Like they have such good arguments already. Like and now that they're like Brittany said, her favorite scene was their fight scene. Yeah, it would only be improved by kissing. Like just <laughs> have an argument, but like now there's like twelve different layers of like love beneath it and just like they they stopped each other mid sentence kissing before they can do it again uh uh-huh. it's fine um and yeah like if they found a baby anywhere just in the plot like um, in the woods or something yeah <laughs> uh, i wouldn't be mad about it like, I'm just going to cling to this theory until it's, like, pried from my cold, dead hands. 
Um, so yeah, recovery, sexy and marriage, baby. That's a yeah. good list. Yeah. Oh, and I wouldn't be opposed to like more I love yous. Like they've said it, but like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's fine. Um, and also more, um, Battle Abbey. And yeah, I was just yeah. about oh, to say yeah. I want Abby to like not necessarily fight someone because she fights everyone all the time, but like <laughs> I don't know, do, like get get like a stunt or something to do. That'd yeah, be- like when mm. when Paige posted that picture of her new outfit, I was one hundred percent certain that she had a thigh holster for a weapon, and yes. in reality, it's just that she has like eighty-seven different straps. <laughs> She's like so extra. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> I want to like just thank whoever came up with that outfit as well. Like, just thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so like, good. If we, picked, if we picked Dioza off the game menu, we also picked this outfit off the game menu. <laughs> I know. They really were listening to all of our memos. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I second everybody else and yeah. I love everything. I love everything. Oh, also, um, like, in addition to that, like, fight scene thing, like, I want to see Abby be the hero Mm -hmm. uh, in, like, a choice in their relationship. Like, she sort of got to, like, do the, like, she's saving him thing when, at the end of 504, but, like, I want it to be, like, as dramatic as him saving her by going to the fight ring, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I want her to get, like, that dramatic hero moment where she, like, rescues the dude. <laughs> the damsel in distress. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I love that. I love that. Can can get a good damsel in distress with that hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in distress over that hair. Like, I think it's too long. Yeah, it's too long. It is too long. Please, someone cut it. <laughs> I, he, lo- he looks like he should be at a festival. No pun intended, <laughs> but it's growing on me every episode. <laughs> uh, that's there. Brittany is uh, missing right now, but she is also pro hair. Okay. What? I'm sure she would want me to say that uh, that's important. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my yeah, hopes and dreams. dreams. Thank you for asking. Um, my. <laughs> My biggest, I mean, of, of, like, I second everything that everyone has been saying. I think my, um, my biggest thing that I'm hoping we get some sort of resolution to over the course of, of this season is, um, like bringing the big family unit together. Like, I really want, mm-hmm. um, I want Kane and Abby to have a relationship with Maddie. I, I love that we got a Kane and Clark hug. I'm hoping that that relationship kind of comes back into play a little bit more, you know, maybe around the addiction storyline, maybe around the political storyline, but like their connection is like so important. Um, Kane and the Blakes, like some, like I, I don't, you know, I don't want the storyline to end with like, you know, like Octavia dies or something or like they're like mm-hmm. permanently as strings. Like I want, I, I think. Resolution. Part, yeah. Well, and I think part of the hope thing too that I, that I felt you know, was maybe contained in that kind of Pandora's box metaphor is like, I really want to believe that Kane in some way represents hope of like that somebody can get through to Octavia. And like, 
help her mm-hmm. find humanity again. And I, and I know that like the big thrust of it obviously is going to be with Bellamy, but I feel like there were seeds that were planted there maybe with Kane, you know? Um, so I just like the, the family dynamics, the kind of found family with the kids is like so important to me. And, and so I want to, I'm hoping that we can like retain the part of Abby's identity of, you know, being a mom and then the part of Kane's identity that has to do with like the sort of, his relationship with the kids. Hi, Kobe. Um, Sorry. Well, <laughs> while also like allowing them to be like independent, you know, like what's, what is Clark and Abby's relationship look like now, you know, after the gap of these six years, after Clark is six years older and is not like by any stretch a kid anymore and has her own kid to take care of. Like, how does that sort of, how does that balance sort of a shift between them? So just, yeah, sort of, I think recentering those family relationships while also that I really, really love that we're getting, you know, what seems like a setup of like a big chunk of story that is Kane and Abby together without the kids, you know, like, I think that's really important too. Um, and, um, and on my, like, I guess sort of wild hopes and dreams, aspirations thing. Um, I'd love, I've always wanted, and I've never gotten it, a storyline with Kane and Raven, um, mm. I've been thwarted on that for five seasons. I think it is too, cause they're both I on the eulogy ship. I think it is. Yeah. So I don't want to call it in the air. Like I don't want to like get my hopes up too much, but, um, but I think that's a possibility. And, um, oh, and, and also just like, um, I think just in terms of like things for the relationship, like between the two of them, like there's still so much about like, they're kind of pre pilot history that we don't know. And I'd love like, I'd love like, you know, like, like laying in bed at night as they're falling asleep kind of conversations, like sort of like domestic conversations where we get a little bit more of like, you know, the history of their relationship, like before we met them, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah. like just to like kind of lying there and maybe like when, Maybe one of them's like, oh, remember that one time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like life on the arc, like, like, you know, whether it's just sort of like memories of life on the arc or like, how did they meet? We don't even know how they met first. Were they kids? Were they adults? Was it when she joined the council? We don't know. Um, so, so partly, and I, and I think like, you know, we don't, we don't need it to sort of understand where the relationship's at now, but I kind of like the idea of that as like a shorthand for the audience to know that like, you know, the whole kind of long stretch of their entire relationship goes back so far beyond like what we saw, you know, like how much there is to it. Like we're sort of like, even just the six years that they were together, like that's even still just that much is like the tip of the iceberg of like their whole relationship with each other. You know, like it goes back, it extends back so much further, you know? And, and so I just, so I kind of like the idea of, of their relationship containing like, you know, like that it's safe to talk about Jake, that it's safe to like, like that, that they're so secure and their love now that it's okay to like remember and revisit times when they were at odds without that being like off limits territory, you know, like that they're that comfortable and they're that like established in their connection to each other that like, you know, like that it's okay. Like, I feel like that's just, and I, I think, yeah, like just, for me, like with, with, when my, when my dad got remarried, it was like, like here's like a sign that we've like crossed a threshold, you know, in this relationship 
is like when it became like super safe and comfortable for like, like my stepmom loves, like she was friends with my mom. She loved hearing stories about my mom, you know, but like when it became something where like, it wasn't awkward for anybody in the room when she'd be like, Oh yeah, wasn't that like Teresa told me one time, like that was, you know, like, like I remember the story of like where, where she bought this vase or whatever, or like, and my dad was like, Oh yeah. Or like, like when we were in college, you know, and, and like when, when that passed, like when there ceases to be any kind of like, like not even threat, but like discomfort or like instability around bringing those things up. That's when you're like, okay, this is like super soft, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of, and I, that's what I loved about 402 was like feeling like, you know, that Kane felt okay bringing up Jake, but you could tell it was like, oh, this is a new conversation that we're having. Like this is a, this is the first time that Kane has directly said like, Hey, like, let's talk about this Jake thing that we're sort of talking around and not addressing so I can let you know that it's okay. You know, so I sort mm-hmm. of, so I like the mm-hmm. idea of maybe potentially um, that being a thread that continues in their relationship, like that it's always, that it continues to be safe to talk about Jake, that it continues to be safe to bring up like, Hey, like remember on the arc when I hated you, you know, like, like, cause when it comes, <laughs> Like when it comes up in 502 in the like, that's what you tried to float me. Like it comes up as a weapon, you know, like it comes up as a, like, as a thing that she throws in his face because they never talk about it. Like that's the thing that they never say. They never revisit that time. So I'd like to think that maybe the six years of, of them in a relationship has sort of, um, made that safer territory, I think. And we don't, I don't need it. Like I can move on without it, but it would be, it'd be nice to see. I think there's almost like the promise of it though. Like we've seen them do that before with the campfire scene. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking about. Where they're like the shock lashing. Like they're yeah. flirting about the shock lashing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Y'all have some weird kinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh and like there's even like an opportunity, like we all hope that they uh find a baby in the woods somewhere. <laughs> Good um, God, woman, where do you think babies come from? <laughs> you, said that, you said that like 20 minutes ago, that they would find it just randomly. I know, but uh, turning things on you is my hobby. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm being attacked. Um. <laughs> anyway, like, there's an opportunity for them to, like, discuss Abby had a kid, but Kane didn't, and, like, mm-hmm. that whole mm. sort of, like, thing there. Yeah. Like, like, Blake's like kids, but he's never had one of his own. Exactly. And did he want mm-hmm. one? Like, is that something like in in the like in the one child policy on the Ark? Like, did he did he want a kid and not have the chance for it? Like, is that a you know? Is it, or a, is it something? Or is it something he never considered? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's like they could there's like opportunity to discuss that as well. I think so. Um. Do you have more hopes and dreams, Claire? Um, no, I mean, yes, but that's all the, that's, those are the important ones. I think, like, you in general in life. Yeah, 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 like, as a, as an adult human woman, you know, sure, but, um, no, but I, I feel like we've sufficiently covered the things. I have, uh, just two more to add to, like, throw out to mine. Okay. Um, (laughs) it's like a kid making her Santa list. (laughs) Um, no. I was just thinking, like, I want to also throw out there, like, if we're believing in the uh, ability to speak things into existence, um, I want to hope that the that season five ends similarly 
like for Cabby that the past four seasons have ended because like we're always like worried the whole season that something's gonna happen or whatever. But like in every season finale, Kane and Abby have like ended the story together of that season. Mm-hmm. Like they're together, like they're holding hands or they're seeing Earth for the first time or they're hugging or they're like touching each other's faces. So like I would like for that trend to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would just also like tell Jason if he needs a playlist for the cabbie wedding, I have one. Yes. Uh, I also have a Pinterest board. It's like ready to go. If you need any help, I, I got you. <laughs> so yeah, those are my, my other two things. Great. Um, okay. Well, I feel like we've covered everything in the entire world that could potentially need to be covered about cabbie. <laughs> I'm extremely proud of us. Um, okay. So that I think is, yeah. Okay. Good. Just under four hours. Right. Right on, <laughs> right on MetaStation brand. Good work team. I was like, I really just want to like keep talking to live up to like the MetaStation name. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're, we're doing it. We're, we're right on brand. Um, so cool. Okay. Uh, so thank you to, thank you to everyone who listened to this all the way through. <laughs> you are our people. Um, uh, we, we sort of, you know, we recognize doing this for like, this is, this is for a, this is for each for like a more maybe targeted audience than our general podcast recaps, which is also fair, but we also just like to be able to scream about this stuff for four hours. So that's, I think, you know, <laughs> our podcast, our rules. Um, but thank you to everybody who was listening. Um, this is going to, uh, hopefully go up on like on show day on Tuesday to help fill the hundred shaped hole in your hearts. Uh, and then our interview with Louisa Dolivera will go up the following weekend when our normal podcast recap will go up. So we'll have lots of new exciting content for everyone. Um, but thank you to my special cabbie friend, lady squad guests. Um, this is so much fun. It was like, it was like a little mini unity days reunion, which it was just wonderful. Yeah. In my heart. And we yeah. get to do it again next year. And we get yeah. it again next yeah. year. Yay! Uh, so everyone, like, keep your fingers crossed that Paige and Ian do Unity Days, and then we can be this hysterical in person in real time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think we should like, do any of that. <laughs> we can be human I disasters. Cry. I think I will we've be all seen you cry enough. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking to the other listeners who aren't. You know, who weren't present at that occasion. <laughs> you haven't seen me cry. That was incredibly legendary. No, I'm just saying, like, if Paige and Ian are there, I will cry. Yeah, I will be crying. You cried at Eliza. I cried meeting Eliza, which I did not expect. So Aww, I so will cute. fully cry when I meet Paige. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It's like, I, I apologize already for the mascara. <laughs> It's a problem. We'll get you waterproof mascara. You'll be fine. Thank you so much. Yes. I have great faith in you. Uh, All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. I just also want to (laughs) say. No. I just wanted to say how I love, how much I love everybody in this podcast and everybody listening to this podcast and like literally every person in the cabbie fandom. Just like, you guys. Yeah. yeah, like you, you uh, guys are my space. Uh, like, we're uh, Cat Crew is a family. It really like, is like, all- it's like an amazing place, and I just like love everybody so much, and I feel like, 
like the hundred is my first fandom. So like cabbie is, but like this is, this is my like barometer for fandoms now. And I feel like that's probably really skewed and inaccurate in like the general like <laughs> world at large, you know, and, like, like even in the hundred fandom, I think you got lucky like you to did. be, yeah, like, I think like, so. I, I feel yeah. Like have been in the cabbie fandom because it's like such a good place. I, it is. And it's a place like full of love. And, and I feel like we're like, I, I, I truly feel like on, on some deep level, we're being like karmically rewarded with this like amazing <laughs> storyline that we're getting this season that <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that I feel like, and I've said this before, like I feel like Sam and Brittany and I on that cabbie round table at the end of season four, like summoned the season into being <laughs> <laughs> through the power of prayer. To Ian so, Jesus. So like, <laughs> so, like, what you're saying is uh, this one is summoning season six into being... Uh, I, I think so. ...to the cabbie fandom. I think so. That's that's my hope. That is my hope that, like, Jason is listening to this being like, oh, good idea, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> And another six. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> okay. And it's just like me and another thing. We keep like rebooting and going back to the beginning. Like literally, like this is what we do all day long. People don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. I love you guys so much. Thank you. I love you love guys. You. I'm really excited we gotta do this. Okay. I love you. Bye. 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 Bye.